What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by 50 for 50 sale. That's right, February 1st at 6 p.m., 50% off everything on bloke.shop for 50 hours. Also, brand new bloke shirts dropping that will also be 50% off. This is the biggest sale we've ever done. We will not do this sale again for a very long time, if not ever. That is February 1st, 6 p.m., 50 for 50 sale. But let's get straight into it, baby! Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, powered by the huge 50 for 50 sale. What is that? That is 50% off for 50 hours, February 1st, 6 p.m. Not only all the stuff that's currently there, but also brand new bloke shirts dropping. We're gonna reveal them this week, so you'll get to see what the brand new bloke shirts look like, but that is 50% off everything so i'm talking the button-up shirts the board shorts the singlets the thongs everything on the site 50 percent off for 50 hours only and that includes the new shirts so you'll be getting brand new bloke shirts for around 25 bucks this i'm telling you right now we will not be doing another sale like this for a very long time guys so if you want to get some bloke stuff tell your friends tell your mates 50 percent off for 50 hours guys Anyway, let's get into the chat because there is so much that's happened. It's off season, but rugby league, she never sleeps. She never sleeps. Now, you boys also never sleep. The super coach show, it's back, boys. It's back. Yeah, beers and break evens. We, uh, we returned last week to get stuck back into it. Trial's not too far away and whatnot. And we're, uh, I guess we'll put the shout out. We're on the hunt for uh, some new sponsors for the show. So uh, if anyone out there is keen, beers and break evens at gmail.com. Plenty of opportunities there, Timmy. There is, mate. Yeah, good. Uh, a good cause to get on board. We thought I'd have to say that the beers and break evens crew. So as you said, potty launched last week, and very excited to be back into it, mate. The opportunity to to have maybe a logo smothered across your shirt or something like that. It's it's a pretty hard one to pass up. I'll put on my forehead. <laughs> Might help out a little bit. <laughs> and is it? It's the biggest Supercoat show. Yeah, footy? yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, our numbers for the first two episodes were unreal. So plenty of opportunities there. Yep. So whether you're a small business or whatever, reach out to the great Gurino. Uh, and yeah, sponsor the potty. It's basically the perfect demographic. So it's arguably the most concentrated demographic. You're looking at like 18 to 40 year old males, um, almost like exclusively. I'll put the uh, email into the YouTube bio. Cheers, Matty. Um, but let's get into the footy chat. Just a reminder, February 1st, 6 p.m., 50 for 50 sale. Do not miss it. We're not doing another one of these for ages, if ever again. Uh, but let's get into the chat, guys. RLPA, the NRL, she's coming to Logairs, boys. Now, we did say quite a while ago before all of this kicked off that this was a genuine possibility. We, you know, we, we discussed how you would start beginning to see stories come out that painted certain parties in certain lights. And look, this is all a part of rugby league. It's, it's been like this, what, for at least of the modern era of rugby league, it's been like this where people have got certain agendas and rightly so, like for example, the NRL's agenda, or their, I guess, agendas are almost like a toxic word, but their their goal is to their shareholders. It's about making as much money as possible. They're a business. Every business is trying to make as much money as possible. Whereas the players, their obviously loyalty is to their working environment to make sure that they get taken care of as much as possible. So both, um, that's the tough thing about this situation right now is you've got two different parties that hopefully will have the same incentive um, at the moment, don't. Now, you could make the argument, happy employees makes a more productive environment um, to create more money. 
And there actually have been studies shown that the, the, the happier your employees are at work, the more productive they are. Um, but then there's also the old school thinking of like, no, you've got to watch every penny. You've got to try, try to make as much profit as possible. Uh, but basically we've gotten to a point where NRL players and clubs are refuse, not doing uh, NRL promo. So basically the NRL usually goes around uh, and takes photos, videos, all that kind of stuff in preparation for the new season. It's actually surprisingly, like, does it sound like an important thing? It's actually a really important thing because mm. it's all the content you see when tries are scored on the team, all, the, all of that stuff. For the stuff. next 30 weeks. For the next, yeah. yeah, the whole season. So it's not not important. It's not just like little interviews where you go out and go, hey, how you going? This is like the foundation for the rest of the, the season. Yeah. And it's not like you can use content from last year. No. Jerseys change, sponsors change, everything. So, uh, yeah, obviously, media arrived at um, Shark Park the other day. Mm. Wade Graham being the strong leader he is mm. came out and said not today yeah so, you know the players are united for you know from, from talking to you know obviously we're not former players you can talk about it more but from talking to some former players over the last week or so like they're more united than what they ever have been oh easily, by a easily. Lot. And I think that's what the the perspective that you know us as fans probably doesn't see enough of just how united the players are at the moment mm. and I think like people may think oh uh, like this is just players, I guess, being greedy or whatever. And fair enough if you have that opinion, but it's actually when you listen to what the players are saying, the reason for this reaction is that the CBA compared to the last CBA, some of it's gone backwards. And that's why you've seen this drastic, drastic reaction. I honestly think that like if the CBA was essentially the same, I don't think you would see as much of a, a drastic, I guess, reaction. And when I say the same, I'm talking about percentages. Like some people may look at the numbers and go, well, it's increased 25% or whatever, but you've got to look at like, what's the percentage of the revenue do they earn mm. rather than the figure? Um, because they're, they're responsible for, well, mostly responsible for the revenue generated. Um, and at the moment, it's looking like a lot of it's gone backwards outside of the cap as well. The cap's not even the main focus at the moment. A lot of the players are, you know, almost saying like, it's not even really about the salary cap. It's about a bunch of other things, which we'll get into. But Timmy, thoughts on the whole situation, mate? Yeah, I, I love what the players have come out and done and just being completely transparent to the public and the general footy fan, mm. because it, it's a deep, it's a deep conversation. It's a deep debate with so much to it on both sides. And the average general fan, you know, you can do a bit of read, reading up on it, but it's hard to understand and make an informed opinion on uh, of it all. And what the Players Association have come out and done during the week is, you know, literally in tiles on across all their social media channels said, this is what we want, this is why we want it, mm. and they couldn't have made it any clearer to the average fan. You go, all right, we can we can support what the players are after, what they're why this is happening, uh, and you sort of sit there and go, oh, it all sort of makes sense to us. That's coming from their side. Now I'd love to see the NRL, and I know it's hard, but the NRL will come out and do similar and say, all right, they've said this. This is why we're standing strong and why we're, as you said, Campy, they've got their their stakeholders that they need to look after with their revenue and whatnot. So let's make it completely transparent to the fans, and, mm. and then we can make our own informed opinion about which team do we support or which side do we support, I suppose. And, yeah, it's it's, it's brewing into something big if it isn't already. Um and I, I love the approach the Players Association took during the week. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think that, like, I would like to see, as you just said, I want to see the NRL's reasons for why they aren't agreeing to what the, the players are looking for. Whereas at the moment, the NRL, we've only really seen kind of, like, vague headlines with, like, you know, quotes here and there and leaked information. You know, if you, if you put out a real clear 
response to this from the NRL going, this is why we don't do the medical support fund. This is why we aren't doing better turns for yep. vulnerable players. Then it gives the fans an opportunity to go, as you said, make an informed decision of going, I agree with the NRL. I don't think that they should do it. Or going, hang on a sec, like that doesn't make any sense. I, I think the players are fairly or rightly so asking for it. Um, so let's get into what the players want. So the players want... So basically, the, the gist I get, and it hasn't been agreed to, so there's been no, well, I don't think there's been any, like, formal agreement at all in regards to salary cap, um, especially when uh, when it was announced last year. Like, there was absolutely, I don't, like, any agreement in regards, not even verbal or whatever. But this, this is what the players have come out and said they want. They want a new medical support fund. And they say, why? Because players are excluded from workers' compensation legislation. In the current CBA, we only have 12 months to have any surgeries and rehabilitation paid for that will help fix the injuries suffered during the careers. The players want the game's first medical support fund to ensure post-NRL and NRLW players can have these surgeries covered well into retirement. I think this is very reasonable. You know, I think this is... When you look at a normal job, if you are injured on the job, your everything is paid for and you're if you can't work anymore like huge payouts all that kind of stuff now i understand the nrl is in a different environment because like the risk of injury is like basically guaranteed but for only 12 months and i'll just use myself an example i'm not even a bad you know and and i'm not complaining at all guys i'm not sitting saying oh the nrl i'm just giving you an example um like i didn't get my nose fixed in the first 12 months so like i've got a deviated septum because i broke it so many times now that's my own fault i should have got it fixed like you can get that fixed in the first 12 months so but i'm just saying like it is still an injury that i suffered um lately i've been going for a lot of runs my knee is is like it's slowly blowing up due to the repetition of like um, runs that i'm doing and that all stems from a medial tear that i did in 2010 and so this is just little things from me this isn't this isn't other guys like andrew Fafita. you know if you go to the rlpa's instagram there's stories from uh joe nullivale he tells how like 12 months to sort out like every injury you have like what if you need a full acl done you need a clean out on your shoulder you, you, all of these things they take time plus things do pop up they take longer than 12 months to rear their ugly head for example if you quit footy and you stop exercising and then you start running you know 14 months later and the and an injury that you suffered during footy you know completely blows up or whatever um now i don't i don't think that they should have the rest of their lives to, to do the surgery but i think a much more reasonable time frame than 12 months what do you reckon about this this, this specific request first of all i don't even know if uh, the nrl could save the beak just quite i gotta ask some questions mate beyond saving beyond <laughs> saving can't breathe through one side though uh yeah i mean I to, to me, this sounds like a bit of a no-brainer. Obviously, as Timmy said, we want to hear the NRL side of it. But, um, you know, like I remember, I, I, even when I was younger, like we used to go away on holidays and there used to be a player from the Parramatta Eels in like the 80s. And, like, I remember him even, like, he, he couldn't, when we used to go down to the beach or whatever, he, he used to have to stand on the grass because mm. he couldn't get on the sand because he wouldn't be able to fucking get off it because yeah. his knees were just so gone. And, like, I mean, the game has changed so much since then. I, I can't imagine... You know, the, the guy, like, and you're getting so many guys now that are playing 200 plus first grade games. I don't know how their bodies are hanging together at the end of it. Crazy. Crazy. And I don't think anyone's expecting, like, uh, there may be some that are sitting there going, you're playing rugby league. This is part of the, the gig. But it's like, yeah, for sure. But like in any working place, if you get injured on, on the job, you're yeah. compensated and taken care of. Um, and, you know, there could be the argument that you could say, well, they still get their contract money. 
but they were going to get that if they played well anyway. So that's mm. you can't really say, oh, they're going to they get their contract money anyway. because like, but that's what they were going to get if they played the whole year anyway. And you think back over the last you know ten or fifteen years, we've had a lot of really talented players. Their careers have been cut short by injury, and then they've sort of just been left out in the cold essentially. And you know, so many fans, there's so much uproar every time one of those stories comes out. That's what the players are fighting for here. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I'm not. I don't think that it should be like. Whenever, over your whole lifetime, you did a surgery on surgery, I think that there should be some, you know, time limit put on it going like a good, fair, reasonable, like issues that you have, you know, even if they set up a system where as they're retiring, they get a full checkup, a full scan, then they can identify, okay, you need this, this and this and, and, and get time to, what do you think about it, Timmy? Yeah, look, uh, the listeners and viewers, I suppose, will probably find this hard to believe, but I too have broken my nose a few times. <laughs> and, uh, and, mate, I, I, can, uh, I can resonate with you on that one, Kempi, and it's busted my nose about eight times playing footy and every time I wanted to get it fixed and straightened up, the olders are telling me the same thing, like, no, 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 you, you've got to wait till, yeah. till the, when you stop playing sort of thing because there's no point, you're just going to break it again. And yep. I'm sitting there and they're sort of saying to me, mate, your, your nose is in three different postcodes at the same time. But <laughs> it's like, you're going to have to wait. You have to wait. So that's longer than 12 months. And it's only one small thing, but it's true. Like mm. you go and you're going to break it again. So it's not an injury you'd get fixed during your career. Mm. I know that's such a minute example of, you know, the whole, what we're talking about. But there has to be an increase on that 12-month period. And mm. I'm, I'm quite stunned that there hasn't been already. I understand why, you know, footballers, the position they're putting se- themselves in that, they're not eligible for workers' comp. So that the NRL has to have a medical fund for these players yeah. that goes beyond 12 months. Now, again, really interested in to, as to hear why the NRL don't have it longer than 12 months at, this, at the moment. And I suppose it's probably around them saying, you know, how do you, how do you as an NRL, former NRL player, prove that this injury was sustained in the NRL yeah. and why should we have to pay for every injury you have after your career and that? Yeah. So I guess, you know, maybe this um, comes to fruition at the end where every little injury if it isn't already is recorded into a book and so that then after they they go back and say june 2022 you did your ankle you're getting surgery on the same spot i don't know but mate like i think for the longevity you've got to care about the players after the game that's not to say the nrl don't but they have to extend that don't they i I think they they surely do and look it i'm guarantee you i bet you any money that there are some players that went out and played bush footy and then they would they would try and game the system. So we are not totally like the players are angels mm. and no one would game the system. I'm assuming that's what the NRL is worried about. That would have to be their concern. That would have to be their concern. And it's a valid it's concern. Fair. Yeah. It's a fair concern. So we're not sitting here going, players are angel, angels and they'll just be honest or whatever. If you're a player that's retired, you don't have much money, you get done and you do your knee in bush footy and, you know, whatever time and you've got to pay 20 grand or whatever it is to do it and you can't afford it, you may feel the pinch to... to to lie and say you did it during during your career. Now I think that every injury is recorded at least now for sure. Um, so we understand where the NRL is coming on with that. Like you don't want the system gamed. That's where I think like if they set up a system where you get full scans before you leave, like mm. full scans upon retirement, like almost the day after, send them straight in, full scans. Then you sit down because like I even think the whole retirement process needs to be rejigged as it is. Like they do try people that think the NRL just like. Like, don't get me wrong, every, every business sometimes isn't perfect, but the NRL do try to an extent with their, their easing out of players. But I think retiring players that have been, that should just go through like almost a, a two week or even longer, whatever the time is, kind of like letting go period. If you, if, so everything is set in place where like the NRL tick all the boxes, 
let the player know it's all recorded of like we showed the player that they can call us anytime we showed the player the scans we showed the player the plan in regards to the surgeries um you know so we understand that side of things from the nrl for sure but yeah i, I do think it has to be more than 12 months like i'm just going to throw a random number out but like what three years is surely three yeah. years like that seems like a fair at, time. at a minimum three seems like a no-brainer doesn't it now the argument from the player's perspective could be well if i've got a bunch of surgeries that put me out of work for those three years mm. how do i mm. you know i want to stagger them over 10 years because then i can actually afford yep. to miss work or whatever but those are the negotiation things that they'll do at a table um now the next one better terms for the most vulnerable players because the average NRL career is less than 45 games, making your way into the NRL and building a career is tough. You need to be supported to make it happen. Players need better training wages, better minimum salaries, more contracts, more contract certainty, match fees, transition benefits, all to support players, but specifically middle and lower income earners. Now, this one, this one is, I think, a little bit more up in the air in the sense of like, I do think like the minimum should be increased, but I also think, and this is, I think any, any workforce would be fighting for this, like better, better, term, like better, uh, an agreement. But I do think that there is a sort an argument to be made where, well, you choosing to go into this field, so you are aware that that's going to put you back in normal career life. So although I do want to see a, a, an increase, I, I would actually much rather, even though we aren't, you aren't going to be allowed to do it because then clubs would blow up. I'd much rather there be a cap on the top tier and more of that money go down to the bottom tier. For example, I'd love, mm. now that, that, that hurts the market in the sense of like a lower tier club then couldn't go on offer someone 1.4 million um, and it makes it really hard to get players. So I understand that it's a very nuanced argument, but I, I do believe that that lower tier, I would rather more money go there, but I also understand the NRL and fans, some fans that say, it's a choice. Like you're choosing to play rugby league. You're aware of the wages. You're aware of the fact that you will be at a disadvantage when you do quit or if you never make it. Um, what do you reckon, Guru? Yeah, I, I understand, you know, both sides of the argument that you brought up there. Like even just having a look at, you know, it's like some of the junior systems at the moment, like some of the sacrifices some of these 18, 19-year-olds are making. Mm. Like there's, there's guys that are in like Sydney teams at the moment that are driving from Bathurst to training and going home and doing it three times a week. Like none of them are able to keep down full-time jobs whilst mm. they're doing it. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. So I, I, I see both sides and realistically, you know, even if the minimum does go up, I think in 10 years time, they'd be silly not to try and up it again. Yeah, for sure. As would every single industry. Every industry you're trying to look after your, your, your fringes. Well, it's funny you say that. Ten, uh, 19 years ago now was the 2003 play boycott and that was all surrounded by so, like the, the main like reason for that boycott was around minimum payments as well yeah so they 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 it was more like the not increasing the minimum wage it was more like the scheduling of the minimum payments like apparently they didn't get paid they got paid at the end of the season or something it was something really crazy <laughs> like that yeah so you're right like obviously we've come a long way but as the salary cap increased like for example i was watching a show yesterday for rugby league 2007 the salary cap was only four million in 2007. yeah so like obviously it's a good point you make. The minimum wage will always be a contentious call. Yeah, but it shows you that without these situations, I'm not saying we definitely would have still been in that situation, but that's what progress is. You look at 2003 and you go, what, paid at the end of the year or whatever it was, and all of us go, what the hell is that? I mean, even, even me, for example, like, so I was training full time, but I was on like 
25, 30 grand. And so like I'm a full, I'm, I'm not paid as a full-time employee, but I'm a full-time employee. Now I was okay with it and I'm still okay with it because I understand sacrifices need to be made <laughs> if you want to achieve something great. But in a perfect world, how great would it have been if I was paid 50 grand and was training full-time because then I'd be being compensated fairly. But again, I, I'm like on the fence with this one in regards to, there has to be a, a, a give and take in regards, you have to know that you are sacrificing. Like you're trying to do something great, it's not gonna be easy. Now, perfect world, everyone gets compensated fairly, for sure. But there has to be a give and take. What do you reckon about this one, Tink? It's a really interesting one, isn't it? I'm a bit the same as you, Kempi. I'm a little on the fence. Initially, when it popped up, and it's a, a sort of a feeling I've had for a while, that, all right, let's particularly these development players outside the top 25, there's normally, you know, five to 10 of them, maybe. It might even be just the five who train full-time, and they're the players you need to think, all right, if we could bump their minimum wage up a little bit because they don't have the time to certainly not lock down a full-time job. If they can do a part-time job on top of it, you know, that's a big week. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you're right, mate. Like, any job in the world you make sacrifices and you take chances and they know that by trying to get a career in the NRL where the upside is, you know, millions of dollars, that it may not work out. And for most players, it won't work out. And I don't know. Like, um, Look, think of an apprentice. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. I, like, I, when I was 20 years old, I went and did a three-month internship, mm. unpaid. Yeah. Was that guaranteed to result in a job no it wasn't mm -hmm. was the pay good no there was no pay it's like yeah. it's shit yeah. so they're getting paid to have a crack at something and it's like you know part of me says that's part of life and you take your chances to to get greater opportunities down the track um so while yes i think that there's room to to bump up the minimum wage a little bit particularly for the the, the development players another part of me says you know what you we all make decisions and we all take chances yeah for sure and and again there could be argument against that saying, well, in your position, you were building to a career that could last 50 years. Mm. Whereas these guys are building towards a, lot, a career that may last on average, like 42 games, that's what, two seasons. But I'm kind of with you, Timmy. It's like, you want the glory. You, you want that, I'm a rugby league player. I made NRL, mm. like for example, <clears throat> no money could, you couldn't pay me any amount of money to take away the fact that I fucking played NRL. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So like that intangible value that you're striving for requires sacrifice. It requires you to, to look at that and go, I don't care what I'm getting paid. Like I would have paid to be training full-time with the Broncos. Yeah. Um, I'd look back and go, oh, I would love to have been this close to playing the NRL and that's a sacrifice I would have taken 100% even without any guarantee of getting close. But so it's like, well, yeah, and so <laughs> a bad position. It's exactly, it's, and like you even, let's say, let's say I trained with the Broncos first grade for three years and didn't debut, I got to train with Shane Webke, Petro Sivanasiva, Brad Thorne, Darren Lockyer, Justin Hodges, Carmichael Hunt. Is like that, how much money would you pay for that? Yeah. Is there part of you that looks back on that period of your life and says that like you probably needed that? It's all a part, yeah, 100%, earning your stripes, like 100%. Like there's, I understand being fairly compensated and I understand like young fellas are also part of the uh, squad. But at the same time, Young, let's say you're a young fellow, you come out of school and you're on 120K a year off the bat. <laughs> like, yes, technically you have earned that because you've been sacrificing since you were five years old to be that footy player or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, have you really earned 120K a year? Whereas like, and I, anyway, it's, it's, we could talk for hours on the topic. So I do think that if we can increase the minimum for sure, I think that, you know, that's almost, 
it could be a mixture of two things. A slight increase from the NRL, the club, top-tier players maybe getting together and, and kind of helping the, the lower tier kind of thing. Um, you know, when it comes to certainty and that, I do think like it's actually not – it's not about the financial stuff. I do think like this contract certainty and knowing what's happening and match fees, I do think that is really important. You need to know what you're getting into. For example, your internship. Even though it was $0, you knew exactly what was happening. You were doing an internship for a chance or a job yeah. or it would add to your resume. Yeah, you're learning, exactly. making contacts, all that side of Yeah, things. whereas like – you, if you're a player and you're rocking up on a training trial like week to week, like am I even going to be here next week? Maybe there could be a bit of certainty around there. So, you know, it may surprise some in regards to this. I do think that it'd be great for the bottom tier guys to get some more money, but at the same time, they're apprentices. They're apprentices. They're going for the big shot. They're going for the risky play. Everyone tells them when they're growing up, only a few of you are going to play NRL, and they still take that chance, which is fine. But I think that. Um, yeah, so it's and, a, it's and, a bit and there are so many players that, like, genuine future NRL players that we lose around that anywhere from eighteen to twenty three mark mm. that go. You know what? I'm going to. You know, they might have financial commitments. They might have a kid, yeah. wife, paying off a house, something a like them, that. Yeah. And they go, I would love to continue my my career of trying to cut the NRL, and I think I can make it. But I'm going to take the safer approach and start building for the rest of my life and get my apprenticeship, get onto a full-time wage and mm. do that. And if that happens, and that's the choice players have to make. And well, I made it. would be a tough one. There you go, yeah. yeah I was, what, 26, 27? Mm. And, like, you know, I, I, I just I fell out of love of the game. But at the same time, one of my big decisions was, like, what's the difference between 40 NRL games and 70 NRL games? I need to start my life now. Mm. I need to go and start <laughs> my life after rugby league. Um, so, yeah, like... And, and I'm, I bet you any money there's someone listening to this right now or a few blokes or even women as well, that made that choice. They were 21 years old. They were relatively close, maybe playing Q Cup, doing all right. And they said, I've got a kid. That changes everything. Like well, you go- Especially the guys over COVID the last few years. Yeah. A number of mates that it's been huge for New South Wales Cup. I can't talk for Queensland Cup, but I should, but New South Wales Cup has lost so many players. Yeah. Fringe guys that would have normally played till they were 26, 27. And at 21, 22 just went, I, I can't, how, how am I meant to live through the next two years? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, so yeah I think we're probably all on the fence with this one like mm. not as I think the medical one we're all pretty much like that should be more anyway uh, a new uh, first ever NRLW CBA oh it's a hot topic why because those players don't have one and they deserve one a CBA for women would provide the contract security players need in the full terms and conditions that would help protect them and their families a CBA would give their game the best opportunity to attract and retain our talent I look there's there's a big part of the audience or some part of the audience and you know I would agree to it to a degree where the NRLW doesn't make money and it, it may not make money for a long time and so I understand looking at it a business perspective the first thing would be they don't make enough money for a CBA but I feel like that argument goes out the window because the players for years now have already decided the, the, the men that we are going to give a portion of the revenue that we generate to help the women's game begin. Now, it is slightly different because the men's game was not professional for about 100 years. And the first time they started getting paid, to my understanding, was the Australian side started taking percentages of the tickets. And so there may be some people that, well, the, the women's game has to build itself. But I think that don't we want to be in a world as blokes where if we are earning enough revenue to give the women an opportunity, 
Should we not strive to do that? Why punish them because we took so long to get professional? Also, we have wives, we have daughters, you know, mothers. You know, do you not want to be a part of the swell to give these guys, girls, more opportunity? I think that we all kind of do want to be a part of that, especially when the men generate so much revenue that the game can afford it. The game can afford it. Do we not want to be on the right side of history? You know, let's say, let's say in a crazy world, the NRLW breaks even in 20 or 30 years. Like it takes forever. Do you still not want to be a part of like, let's say you've got a daughter and she loves rugby league and she watches it every week. Don't you want to be responsible for um, helping her have a pathway to do that? Whereas as I was growing up, women, like I could walk around all day, all blokes, I want to be a professional athlete. I want to play. Like a lot of women just didn't have that option. It's changing now. Um, now I'm not sitting here saying you need to watch every NRLW game. I, you know, I think if the NRLW game is to succeed financially, it probably needs women to, to watch it. Um, but I do think if we have the money and the players are choosing to, then why not give them a CBA and just have a crack? The money is there, guys. The revenue that is generated by, you know, what was it, six months ago that the NRL talking about how well they were going and all the money that they're making under Landy's, all that kind of stuff. Um, what do you think about this one, Guru? Yeah, and I hear that argument all the time. You know, the men had to wait X amount of years for a CBA. But, like, fuck, if, if there was another body that existed above the men's game, 60 years ago that could have helped it would have yeah and that's the position we find ourselves in now and i agree mate like i've i've got um two young nieces that play footy and they they absolutely love it like mm. i would say they love it more than my nephews that play footy mm. absolutely love it and you know they want to play in the nrlw it's a it's a real dream for all of them now so i yeah i'm, I'm on board with this Jimmy? yeah i think you summed it up really well mate and mm. it's the right rugby league it's in an interesting position where, you know, we normally say it all starts at the grassroots and you build from there, but it goes hand in hand with what's happening at the top. And the NRL is just dominating at the moment. It's a massive business. It's a massive sport. It's uh, the most viewed sport in the country, bar none, and it's not including Origin. So it's more viewed than AFL now, more viewed than all those sports. <coughs> so we're going, going yeah. good. And, and that's great. And it's, it's easy, I suppose, to probably get complacent <coughs> and go, we're good, we don't need to change much. Look, the game's thriving. But, you know, you look at it and I speak to so many parents who don't want their kids being boys or girls playing through juniors because they don't want them getting hurt and bashed by... Particularly, I speak to a lot of parents who have quite little kids for their age. And like, mm. I don't want them playing against the, the bigger boppers. Um, and that's why I'm going... That's where I worry about the longevity of the game mm. because they're going to play soccer or Aussie rules or something like that. And it, it's similar with the NRLW where, all right, maybe they're not making a stack of money at the moment, but why can't they be in 15, 20, 30 years? And, like, when the NRLW launched in 2018, from then to now, the product has improved so much because we're starting to make investments into the game and we need to continue, even if it's at a loss for... 10, 20 years, if we, they can inspire the next generation of young girls who, as you said, Guru, uh, everyone's got nieces and cousins and family and friends who, who want to get into it and love it. League tag is massive. Um, that we need to give them, you know, something to aspire to mm. and that's by growing it from the NRLW. <coughs> so, mate, and as you said, if the NRL players and that as a, a company are willing to give up a share as they have for the women, then 
give it to them. And if that, if the NRL, if the CBA, which it obviously is, is a part of this and can help grow that game, then uh, why not put it in place? The, just because they get a CBA doesn't mean they're going to ask for the world from it. It's mm. just a basic sort of assurance towards the future. So, well, right now, the girls literally, if they get injured tomorrow, boom. They don't get a contract. Who's going to sign an injured chick that can't play that for the yep. year or, or has to have six to eight weeks uh, recovery? And I think that's like every NRLW player I've spoken to, that's all they want is some assurance. Yeah. yeah. Anything. It's not like, even about like, the money. Like they it's all just went so over no. and played in that World Cup thinking, fuck, if I get injured here, mm. I'm fucked. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Right. It's so, so, yeah, I, I think um, it's just one of those things where even if you look at it like, okay, the game doesn't make money. For sure, when you look at it specifically. But if you take the bird's eye view out, what's a healthier game in 20 years for the NRL? A bunch of women watching it and a bunch of men watching it because a bunch of women are now involved in the game or just men watching it. We make more money long-term. So I'm just thinking business here. No, like do the right thing and let's, let's build a platform for women. Just business perspective. You've got more eyeballs that are engaged with rugby league because the women's game is growing. So. On top of all that, I can tell you right now, companies want to get involved with what, what are considered ethically good things to do. So more sponsors want to come on board. Um, so some companies won't even go near it unless it is be given you know, opportunity to women. So even from a business perspective long-term, it's actually like, I know that the, the men players years ago did it just, they didn't think about business. They were just doing it out of they, th they felt it was the right thing. And we're talking guys like Cam Smith, DCE. These are the guys that really pushed this fund for the women's game. Um, and so they weren't thinking of business, but even from a business perspective long-term, it's more people engaged with the game. Like that's, that helps the game. So we can afford it. We've got the revenue to do it. We should do it in my opinion. I saw back home, Campy, like years ago when uh, League Tag was first introduced down down in Group 16 and we I think we we're a little bit behind sort of a few other areas but it's been well cemented down there for a long time and a lot of the women sort of pushed wanting tackle but they've, they've left it at, they've sort of brought in smaller tackle tournaments but it's all about League Tag and just what that did for the club uh, back home and you see what it's done for other football groups, you know, rugby league is, you know, they go down, three grades of blokes, going at belted on the piss after it and have a few celebrations. It's now become, all right, the women are involved in it, um, mm. not just helping out and supporting. It's like they're an integral part of the club. Mm. And then the post-game function is, you know, families go back, the women go back, the friends go back, the numbers are great. And it's just a, it, it's just a better environment to be around. And, mm. like, I think if we can just continue to grow and grow that, um, and it starts at league tag and hopefully it culminates at NRLW and a better product there. Yeah, absolutely. And, like... It's, you know, during COVID when they didn't play, like I could understand that situation because the NRL, like we, it was such an uncertain times, mm. negotiations with networks, like sometimes tough decisions have to be made in regards to financial decisions, but that's done and dusted. We're in a good, reportedly, we're in a good financial position going forward under Vlandis. We should do it. It's the right thing to do. We've got the money to do it. Now, look, if in a few years time, the game's struggling for money, then obviously you have to just put money into the people that are you know, driving revenue for your company. Um, but right now we have the money to look long-term. So let's look long-term. Let's do, um, I just think it helps the game. I think it helps the game. And, and this is coming from a guy that initially, when a, you know, a few years ago, even though as a, as a player, I'd be more than happy to support. I was still like, yeah, but it doesn't really earn 
that much money. But now as I get older, I understand business a little bit better and I understand the impact it can have long term when it comes to like in, uh, participation. It's a win-win. It really is a win-win. Now that does that doesn't mean we have to pay the girls, you know, get them on 200 grand contracts each in the top 30 squad. Like still be responsible with it, grow it slowly, um, grow it safely. Don't introduce too many teams too soon because then there's just going to be blowouts. People aren't going to enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that a CBA for the women would be a good a, a good thing for the game, a really good thing for and the as game. As you said, like the um, participation in the game, like I can only talk for our local area, and I'm sure Maddie will agree. But I remember as a kid, like there was footy posts at every single park. Mm. Like how many more soccer posts? How many more AFL posts are up now? Like I, I remember as a kid, we used to drive up to Queensland twice a year. Like I did that drive two years ago, and I could not believe how many of these towns mm. now that <coughs> only had footy fields, mm. soccer fields, they have fell posts everywhere. So You'd, on that one, Guru, it, so St Greg's in Campbelltown, one of the the absolute heartlands of schoolboy rugby league, uh, about what would have been I suppose ten to twelve years ago now. <laughs> I, the AFL crew rocked up one day and dropped off this mint set of AFL posts to them. And St Greg's were like, no, nah, like, we don't want them. We're a rugby league school, not interested. So no cost. They're there. Put them in storage. If you ever want them in the future, they're there to use. Mm. They're like, well, sweet. They're for free. No dramas. Guess what they started playing a few years later? Aussie rules. Yeah. And it's just like that is such a simple thing, but AFL for a lot of years have probably been better at you know, look into the future yeah, and massively. building 30 to 50 years down the track. Yeah. And that's just the small side of it. And you just said they're everywhere now popping yeah. up. And like, as you know, I, before I was doing all this, I was a teacher and the AFL team used to come to school. The Swans used to come to school. Mm. Compare it to the NRL clubs, the Swans were blowing it out of the water. The kids, yeah. they were so much more, they would come in, you know, <laughs> they'd give um, a little show bag. Like I remember one year the, the Swans arrived and you got a full Swans football, a hat and everything. An NRL club arrived. You got a packet of toothpaste. <laughs> like, can you imagine the, these 12, Was 13 year olds? Sensitive toothpaste, guru? <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember sitting there going, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Like, you saw the AFL balls for the rest of the year in the playground. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, these long term looking at the future, it's really important. And whether it's a guy or girl, we want them into rugby yeah. league. Just with the, I'm just going to compare it to the AFL CBA for the women. So, they locked theirs in in May last year. They've got 18 clubs in their women's comp. And so that's 540 players. And their average salary is about 46K, which is- Did you say 46K? 46K. And oh my God. Yeah. And, paid more than me. And oh well. um, <laughs> over f about 40 players are on about 100K or more. And now when you said NRL has more, more views than AFL, I went and looked at the article. It went into the women's and last year, more people watched NRLW than yep. the AFL. They did. So it's, it's just a right. comparison. Right like, there. again, look at that business move. And if you are a parent with kids, and if, like, a parent with, um, a parent with kids, well, if you're a parent with kids, <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a couple of young girls or you're a business, what's a more appealing product for you as a parent? The one that has 18 teams, a massive CBA, 46 grand did you say 46 42 46 average salary 46 yeah. grand average salary Jeez. what are you going to be more enticed to put your kid into 
it's going to be in AFL. And what's the crazy thing is, even with all the money they're putting into it, NRLW is still outperforming them when it comes to viewership. Uh, so there's actually, we should be sitting there with our eyes lighting up going, this is a huge opportunity. Let's capitalise. Um, okay, now, uh, a new past players program. Why? Because the game does not... Uh, does now what the game does now is not enough players careers are getting shorter and the game is faster and harder it can be all over at any moment you don't always get to choose when that moment is we need to help the NRL and NRLW players transition yeah I mean look no brainer yep no brainer like you know and I think a lot of industries could help people transition out a little bit more I understand it costs money but again this is this is something where the the, the likelihood of them transitioning out and never being able to do it again and going another career is quite high mm. so I think that's a no brainer fair agreement rights wipe because players need to agree to all core, t- core terms of employment. Once they are agreed, they shouldn't be able to change again without the player's agreement. Those are basic and common employee right, employment rights. Players should have, have them. Agreement rights include hours worked, obligations, number of matches played, wage structure, when players can secure a contract, pregnancy and parental policies, and fines, which are illegal in other workplaces. I think this is, we all agree. Yep. As employee, have being employed is somewhere else, you wanna know that things can't be changed or the drop of a hat. Improved injury hardship fund. Um, it accounts for this because it needs to account for the additional eligible players. More than 250 across 10 women's teams and the Dolphins coming into the CBA model. It needs to be expanded to also support players who suffer serious injuries and can't secure a new contract until fully re- rehabilitated. I think that that should be pretty standard, to be honest. You're injured at work. A fair share of revenue. Because players, clubs, and states generates the money for the game, it is reasonable for players to have a share, fair share of revenue they bring in. If players help the game generate more money than it expects, they should get their fair share. That share isn't just going into salaries. Players want it to fund new programs and benefits that will support current, future, and past players. I think it's like, yeah, they should get a fair percentage. Like whatever the... So I was looking it up. I think like the industry percentage that I was looking up and apologies, some industries will be different. It's like anywhere from 20 to 30%. So you would think the NRL that is around 33 at the moment and apparently they got offered less percentage for a, a 10 year career, like as in the fact that their employees are only in it for, well, not 10 year, it's fucking two year. You'd think the percentage should be around the 34, 35% mark. I think that's a pretty fair mm. place to land, 33 even. Um, and I don't think the players would be much asking much more than that. If anything, I think the players did come out a bit ago and say, we just want the same percentage as what we've already had for the last five years. Um, anyway, now on to segment two. Uh, 160 USA rugby league players are on notice and ready to fly to Australia should the current group of players go on strike. This is reported, um, was it news.com.au? Uh, I saw it on the Daily Telegraph. Daily Telegraph? But yeah. yeah um, Look. Keanu Reeves and the replacements getting the call up. The Rock surely starting front row for the front row. This has got to be this has got to be a porky pie pulled from the just the journo's bag. Look, yeah. it's a bit quiet. Throw her out there. The replacements movies made about it. All that get the get the romance going. The nostalgia. This can't be serious. I uh, fuck. I hope not. I highly doubt this is a serious thing going on right now. On the off chance that even it, it is real, like. Surely there's 160 New South Wales Cup players you could bring up before you brought in 160 yeah. US players. <laughs> but like, and also like US, like, surely like Super League, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like the USA or what? Um, so look, one of the great, uh, nothing yeah, stories. the story about the guy that played for Newcastle in the 90s? Matty, can you do all he came from the Philadelphia Eagles? Oh. 
he came over and said he you know he'd done this he'd yeah, done yeah, that yeah. and it just went to complete shit didn't know where to stand didn't know what to do i think he might he ended up playing two first grade games or something but they reckon it was a i don't there. think anyone wants to watch essentially local league if not worse standard footy yeah. oh. um so this is a great a great porky pie because i just can't if this is true holy heckers surely better decisions than that yeah his name was greg smith and That's he it. was accused of misrepresenting his time with philadelphia <laughs> to earn a contract with newcastle That's and then hilarious. he played one game and vanished after that that's hilarious um now as always brought to you by by celebrations in queensland they have bloke on sale until january 29th 48 bucks a case in all celebrations in queensland some of the stores you can go to include aussie world in palm view charles hotel in gympie club hotel roma Falvey Cecil Hotel Goodner, Federal Hotel Gatton, Hambledon Hotel Edmonton, Narangbar Valley Tavern Narangbar. Apologies if I got in those, those uh, suburbs wrong, but that is 48 bucks special until January 29th. At the stores I just mentioned, $48. That's more than a $10 discount. Is a killing me. Is a killing me. <laughs> Too generous for your own good. Jeez. I need to speak to the team. What's going on with these prices? Um, so forty-eight dollars a case. They're the stores I listed out. But you go to our store locator. Got a bunch of hundreds of different stores. Celebrations across Queensland till January 29th. You're dropping that at the same time as the fifty uh, percent off all apparel sale. Yeah, I'm going bust. I'm going to go bust soon. Uh, so make sure to grab a case. Support the platform. Plus, it's a beautiful beer. A beer for blokes that turn up for their family, mates, and good times. It's Aussie spirit in a can. It's beer that tastes like real beer, not fruity or hoppy. But let's get to segment three. Stephen Crichton officially signs with the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs announced on the website, four-year deal starting 2024. This is a really interesting one because I feel like I feel like the initial statement from the Penrith Panthers and Stephen kind of like, like, yeah, we were sitting here saying, I feel like there's a bit more to it, but it, was, it almost like put a full stop to it. Like, what else can you say? Like, mm -hmm. that's what they're saying. So you've just got to let it go. But then an article came out on Fox Sports like a day or two later, basically saying that, that they were blindsided by his announcement that he wouldn't be at the club and that they actually had planned to offer him a contract. That was the that was the time they were meeting to offer him a contract and they didn't get a chance to because he told the players, could you go to the, could you please search that article just to get the, the exact um, gist of it? Like when I see articles like that, it actually makes me go, hang on a sec, like it feels like compensating for you weren't offer you didn't offer him a contract. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if what you, said in the statement was the end of it it should have been the end of it but the fact that now it's coming out that they had a bigger offer to him and the report i think was like 750 grand which i'm sorry i don't believe it um yeah it, it seems like it definitely seems even more likely that a lot more went on behind the scenes than what is being presented to the public Gurut? yeah i think there was definitely a lot more that went on i don't think you let your two-time premiership winning and like big play in every single one of them slip under the radar mm. and miss by a day or so to make an offer on. That's bizarre, isn't it, that story? Did you read is that, that story? Is anyone more Penrith than Stephen Crichton? Oh. He just slipped, he actually fell out the door. Poor timing. If you had a 750k offer, because like this is salary caps we're talking about. Mm. So like a player just declined a 750k offer for the next three or four years. Your salary cap is almost fucked for the next three or four years. So how do you fill that gap if you've prepared that money for him? And also, if you have a 750k offer, if he went and told the players he was leaving, wouldn't you be like, mate, 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 like come and speak to us first? Wouldn't you walk into the playing group, goes, guys, apologies, premature, and offer him 
the deal that you were going to offer him. So you got their money. Yeah. So basically, there's a new there's been a new article come out this morning as well, which has kind really? of refuted it. So obviously, yeah, it was the deal in May that was offered around 700k. I don't believe that. And then now Crichton's manager has come out and quoted and pretty much said, let me get the quote. This came out this morning. Through multiple discussions I had with the club, our camp felt Penrith were reluctant to come back to the negotiation table and decided to spend the money elsewhere and pretty much has said it's best if you go test the market. So there's been quite a bit of to and fro the last few days. So the club's basically saying they offered him a fucking massive deal, 700k, 750k. Well, I mean, the club hasn't been quoted saying that, but it seems like that. Uh, and Crichton's team are basically saying, almost told to look elsewhere, they're not going to pay him. Yeah, and then basically they said, because it was a, a, reportedly a two-year deal with 700k, but then after Crichton's manager said, oh, can we look at a one-year deal because we wanted, you know, mm. then they kind of pulled that offer and said, oh, that, that's what this is implying. Wow, I think I think Critter would have stayed if he was offered a contract. Seven hundred k. You think Critter's not staying for seven hundred k? Seven hundred k outside Nathan Cleary for the next couple of years. That's it. Like pe- people say, when they you know players take a 200 k pay cut to stay at their current club in a good team or whatever, and it's like, mm, I think more often than not they'd take that extra cash to go chase fullback money or at mm. another club, even if it's at a weaker club. And this is the perfect example. But to stay at centre outside Cleary at that club as their like favourites to go for a third straight premiership, you'd you'd take that pay cut you'd to be stay there. Crazy to so basically, sorry, I've just read something else here. So he was offered the seven hundred, and then apparently this isn't quoted, but it said during that time he reportedly put forward a one year extension for Crichton, which was worth upwards of eight hundred k. And then Ayub is quoted saying, we never received any terms back, but we were met with, it may be best for Stephen to go to market. And that offer from May was also no longer on the table. <laughs> I, I, look, I don't know what happened, guys. I don't, so this is just all assumptions. This is what you listen for, our opinions. I can't see a world where he declines 700, 800K to stay at the Penrith Panthers. Because mm. he's not getting a million at the Doggies. No. Honestly, I reckon he's getting 700K at the Doggies. That's what I reckon he'd be getting about. So why would you go to a club that isn't even playing finals footy and not stay at the Panthers where you're basically guaranteed for the next five years to be win a premiership and play finals footy every year? Be relevant every year without a doubt. Every year, closer to origin, closer to Dallium, like everything. Oh, man. Anyway, um, I, I, yeah, look, I hope this is the end of it, which is bizarre. I thought that that statement was quite good, like, boom, full stop. And then these stories start coming out and you're like, well, it just drags, drags yeah, it out. And I think the other side of the coin is that Penrith are obviously well aware of his place within this club, his relationship with Jerome Moore, Brian Toto, all these guys. So I think, yeah, I, I, I think that they're, they're also just trying to keep everything stable. Yeah. But like what I don't get is I think everyone, we all agree here, if Penrith came in and said, we just can't afford him, like we would rather pay 200K, yes, that centre's is not going to be as good as him, but unfortunately, we can't afford to pay him 500k. Wouldn't we all understand? Like, I'd be like, yeah, for sure, that's what happens. Mm. Like, they just won two premierships. Makes you wonder why they didn't do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, are they scared because they they don't want people thinking that they only offered him four 500k? Uh, anyway, let's talk about the good things though. The good, I mean, the good thing is this: is Penrith will be fucking fine, in my opinion, <laughs> um, and Crichton will be fine. 
at the Doggies. Signs there. Most likely will play fullback. What do you think about the signing? I can't wait to see him play fullback. I'm super excited about it. I know he's played there a few times in first grade, and it's been good, but let's be honest here, it hasn't been great. Uh, but, you know, when I first saw him play a couple of years ago, it was in New South Wales Cup, and that's when he was used to that level and he was playing fullback consistently, and he was amazing. He was unbelievable. And I, I, I just think that if given time in first grade, which he, I think he will be, I hope he is, <laughs> given at Canterbury, I, 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 I think they've turned a corner, haven't they? I hope. Anyway. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's a different so coach. I'm not, yeah. So I, I think Critter will be given a good opportunity there. And uh, I think he can be very successful there. Yeah, I agree. Again, all the only thing I consider with him is like fitness. Will he be able to handle the Ks as such a tall body? Um, and I think he will. Yeah. I and I just, I just think with Critter, don't judge him on his first 10 games. Oh, There's no, no point. Like, I mean, we know, we know everyone will, but yeah. We know everyone yeah, will, yeah. but like, don't. Wait, yeah. wait till the end of the season if not season two. Well, and also like, it's one of those things where you have to ask yourself, what's the alternative? Is anyone at that club really gonna come close to even his seven out of 10 game? I don't think they probably would. Um, and that's no disrespect to any current players, but we're talking about Stephen Crichton here. Like he's a fucking good player. And if worst case scenario, him playing fullback goes to shit, you got yourself a strike center. Yeah, a genuine match yeah. winner. Timmy, what do you reckon about it, mate? Yeah, a little bit the same boys. I. <laughs> Probably not as convinced as others that he'll make the successful transition to fullback. But when I say that, I mean, like, the, the expectations are so high. Like a top-tier elite. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. People, I think we're looking at it going, the success that he's had in recent years, he's still so young, he's such an athlete that, you know, he could be top three fullbacks in the NRL. Mm. And that's where I'm like, oh, well, let's just, um, you know, don't put too much pressure yeah, on I, I agree with you on that one. Temper I, the yeah. expectations. Yeah, for so, sure. And I think we touched on it last week or the week before, but... Even if he doesn't hit those heights, he'll still be a great fullback on that 7, 750k, whatever it might be. So I think he's a really good signing. Um, I think it's a safe signing. You know, best case scenario, he does become an elite fullback in the game. And for what for your deal, they might have an elite fullback on, you know, what, 750k, 8, whatever it might be. Yeah. So I'm with you, but I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I cannot wait. And I, I, I agree with you in regards to people that think that he's just going to step into fullback and be on the same tier as, say, Teddy, Pappenhausen when he's back, Latrell when he's on, you know, Tommy, all those boys, Dylan Edwards when he was playing last year. I think that, like, you hope for that. You hope for that, but to expect it, I don't think we should expect no. that. But what I will say, and it's a question that you know all Doggies fans have to ask themselves and, and the, the board there, can they win a premiership with him at fullback? I think he's good enough, even if he doesn't really reach the tier of you know tier one fullback, I still think he's good enough to win a premiership. Now, I'm not saying that the Bulldogs are going to win a premiership, but when you look at teams and you go, okay, seven, six, you know, you've got Reed Marnie at nine. Can he win a premiership? He was in the grand final last year, so I think he could. Mm -hmm. Matty Burton, I think we all agree he's good enough. Like, he's a higher quality enough player to win a premiership because he already has. Then you've got Kyle Flanagan. I think right now the jury is out as to whether he has this, this quality. What we do know is he can get a team to a top four finish. Mm. Um, but again, that's, that's the, the biggest question I have as to is that a premiership? Um, maybe he'll go on to prove that he can. And then you've got Critter, who's won multiple premierships, granted, in center and wing, I think. Mm. So granted in a different position, but I still think he offers enough quality where it isn't gonna be his talent that stops them from winning a premiership. What do you think, boys? Oh, I agree. I think that Canterbury are building a very nice squad at the moment. And yes, question mark is over Kyle Flanagan, but as I've said a number of times, 
if you're going to have a superstar at nine, six and one, you've got to give somewhere. Mm. Look at their forward pack as well. It's absolutely stacked. Like, I just think the other thing with Stephen Crichton, like, like, I think we forget because he's achieved so much, he's had so many big moments. He's 22. I know, it's crazy. He's played 70 first grade games. As you said, he won a grand final at left centre, then he got moved to the right side, came up with some of the biggest plays of all time. Like, he hasn't even had an opportunity <coughs> to get used to, not only a position, an edge. Mm. So, yeah. I, you know, I think that, you know, there's a good chance that Stephen Crichton's five years away from his best. And he's, he's achieved more in 76 games than what mm. 95% of players have ever achieved. Yeah. And, and, and again, to your point and to Timmy's point as well, in those big games, he has had impact. Now, so you could sit there and you could look at stats and you could look at, you know, did he make 200 metres? Did he make 100, 10 tackle breaks or whatever? But a lot of people, when you're looking at recruitment, it's like, do they win matches? You know, you could go and look at Cameron Smith's stats each game and you would go 40-odd tackles, no try assists, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. It wouldn't look the best. But then you go to the, the stat that matters. Do they win footy games? Yeah, Cameron Smith wins a lot of footy games. James Tedesco wins a lot of footy games. Now, you could make the argument that Nathan Cleary is the reason for it, but I think there's clear evidence that in big moments, he can win you a footy game. That, yeah. that is completely a fact. And, I, and, you know, I, I, I'm sure that when you spoke to him, it's the same. Like when I had Nathan Cleary on my podcast, you speak about all the players in the teams and it was very... Not generic sort of answers, but just talking, you know, a lot like they are normal football. You talk about this guy, and Nate just sits there and goes, mate, freak. he's a fucking genetic freak. Yeah, freak. I think, he, sorry, I think, and obviously this is a subjective, but I think if you look just at the 2021 grand final when Burton was playing as well, if you just look at the Panthers team, not South, I think Cleary was the best player on the field. And I think if you had to give a 3-2-1, you give two points and one point to Burton and kick out. And Crichton was the one that won in the game with an intercept. And now the Bulldogs have all those three players. So point. they, you're right, they've not only just signed premiership winners, they've signed people who really step up in those games. Yeah, win matches, win big games. Um, so look, really exciting for the dogs. Like, like I am, I, I could be totally wrong and you can all put shit on me. The Bulldogs have turned a corner. They're not the Wooden Spoons uh, establishment. And it has a lot to do with... T- it actually goes further back than Phil Gould. It goes back to the Laundy Group. Laundy Group comes on board. So they're a huge, got a thousand pubs or whatever, really successful business. They are really passionate about the club. They go out and obviously get Phil Gould to the club. And so when you look at all the best clubs, they usually have a really strong backing that you don't really hear about. Obviously, you've got the Roosters, Politis, the Broncos used to have the Thoroughbreds. I'm not sure if they still do it. The Melbourne Storm have got uh, Matthew Tripp, I think his name is, who is like successful beyond, you know. All these people, A, because they're successful in business, so successful in business, they understand what it takes for an organisation to be successful. Now, it doesn't always transfer one-to-one, but when you get these outliers that know how to win and put the right people in place, because that's what it's about. It's all about hiring the right people in the right spots. Does this all happen if the Laundy Group doesn't chase Phil Gould? I don't think so. They're still going around in circles, I think. Whereas Laundy Group made that decision, got him in. Yeah. Um, and so I, I believe the Bulldogs have turned a corner. Will they play finals footy? Maybe not this year, but I don't think we're looking at perennial wooden spoon or around that area what do you reckon guru yeah i agree and i think it's going to be one of those years like i think canterbury are going to be huge improvers but at the end of the season i think you could look at the ladder and they might move up one or two spots Mm. which people might think you know 
is a, I wouldn't call it a failure, but it isn't a huge success. But I just like, I, I genuinely, and I know we probably say it every year, but I think this is going to be the closest competition we have seen mm. in so long. Like, I, I can't pick any of those top eight teams that I think drop out, but I can pick about three teams from the bottom eight that I think should mm. come in. But there's not room for all of them. Well, there's only one team that really separates from everyone, most of the other pack, and it's Penrith, in my opinion, right mm-hmm. now. Like, as in, then I've just got everyone, like, everyone from, like, second to maybe 10th or whatever, they can beat each other on their day. In like, whereas I feel like other seasons, you basically had your top four and it was like, everyone else is not even... But, like, it's crazy. Like, you look at the ladder last year and if you take those teams that finished at the bottom of the top eight and go, they, they, they were the fringe top eight sides, mm. it's Melbourne, it's Roosters, it's South Sydney. Wow. Like, you've got all these bottom eight teams that have improved, but then the next four teams on top of them, I would argue, underachieved last year as mm. far as the ladder goes. And then you've got Cowboys, Sharks, you know, I, I can't wait for this season. And then you've got, like, Broncos, it. massive fall-off at the end of the year. So if they have a whole season, Manly, Timmy, massive fall-off. Yeah, like, Manly as well. Um, Timmy? Like they started like a busted arsehole to start the season. Yeah, yeah. Do you think doggies have turned a corner? Big time, yeah. And, and I think even just looking at them, the last for about the last 10 years just about, not quite 10 years, they've had a grand final in 2014, let's say the last five or six years, going into the season, like, well, there's almost no chance they're playing finals football. Now, I know they finished around that ninth to 12th mark a few times, but even they seem like overachieving seasons. This year, it's like, well, they definitely, I think they definitely can play finals football. Do I think they will? Again, I've probably got the ninth or 10th at this stage, but they can. So for Doggies fans going into the season thinking we can compete with the best in the competition and play finals football, that's, that's a big thing for them. Just shout out to Canterbury too. Uh, if you go to their website, they, I'm not sure how often they're releasing these episodes, but they released one the other day called The Kennel, episode one. Went through their pre-season camp and everything. Uh, one of the better bits of rugby league content I've seen in quite some time. So well worth going to have a look at. There's a number of guys. They've obviously got all these stars at Canterbury, but there's a number of guys that really stood out in this video being one of the, some of the main voices in this camp and within this squad. Sort of guys that... I don't even have them in their best 17 at the moment. So a really, really interesting bit of content there uh, for the Canterbury Bulldogs. Does, uh, does David Staggs host it? <laughs> you love if, Staggs, it, you? if it is, it'll probably just be like an hour of just sound effects of him just whacking blokes, just chopping them. <laughs> I love David Staggs. The great Staggy. The great Staggy. You played with him, didn't you? Yeah, the yeah. Broncos. Can you, can you get an intro or something? I've never met the bloke. <laughs> Mate, I'd, he's one of the nicest blokes. Yeah, he's so actually, nice. I'd, I'd have a restraining order within about two days. <laughs> He's uh, a well-educated well ed- well young gentleman. Um, yep, so great news for the doggies. Great signing. And they're looking good, man. It's going to be interesting next two to three years. Um, brought to you guys always by Bloke Beer. But also, remember guys, 50% off for 50 hours, February 1st, 6pm. Brand new Bloke merch shopping. So the Bloke merch, that is 50% off. The new shirts, plus Everything else on the website, we're talking party shirts, we're talking board shorts, singlets, thongs, everything is 50% off for 50 hours. It's called the 50 for 50 sale. It is February 1st, 6 p.m. Do not miss it because we are not doing a sale like this for an extremely long time, if ever again. Uh, Also, make sure to grab a case of bloke in a bar beer or bloke beer. Head to our store locator on our website. Um, We're in every single celebration in New South Wales, Queensland, every single bottle in New South Wales, ACT. Uh, so head to our store locator on our website, blokeinabar.com, put in your postcode, show you the nearest stockers. Now, NRL preseason challenge. We'll have a 100K prize for the winner. I'm just going to stop it right there. Not worth it. Boom. Not even close to Craziness. it. Craziness. Yeah. 
$100,000 for a club. And I, I know people listening to this would be like, $100,000 is a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. But even if you took that hundred k and just gave each player a portion of it, it would be like a few grand or whatever. Make it a million. <laughs> like, there's so much money in the game. And there's probably some NRL rep out there saying, this bloke's an idiot, doesn't know what he's talking about. And I'd, to that, I'd say fair. But <laughs> um, <laughs> that game generates so much money. If they're serious about making this a thing... You can bump it up from 100k. Surely day. more than 100k. Yeah. Like, like the clubs are desperate for money. They're mm. desperate. They all make a loss. Like, you know, when they're by themselves, obviously the NRL supplement them because obviously they generate money for the NRL. Um, but more than 100k, like it's not even, like, how, it's not even motivating. Like no. in the sense of it's almost it's not pointless because 100k is better than no money. But at the same time, it's like. Come on, make make something on the line. The like incentive this. is obviously there to encourage sense to put out stronger sides and try and win and try and you know trial games. They'll play four quarters of twenty a lot of the time, and a full strength team might play at half. They're trying to convince them to do it for sixty minutes or you know, eighty minutes, whatever it might be. Like no one is going to blink an eyelid at hundred k. It honestly, it might, it honestly might nearly cost hundred k just to go to the the games and that like over that period of time. And all you're doing is hoping you don't get injuries. Yeah, the whole time. Um, like that's exactly why the nines like I, I loved it, but it's why n- none of the players were willing to play in it. Yeah, because they're just all worried about no. getting injuries. So, um, look, I, I think it's uh, initially I thought they were going to add more games with this preseason comp. I do think it's a good idea to we, you know we're all talking about keeping people engaged and content for sure. So from that perspective, I think it's great the NRL are trying to almost monetize the preseason games kind of like the nfl do too don't they they have like yep. preseason, postseason, or you fucking call it um and so i do like the nrl like at least the good thing is for the nrl and they deserve a rap for this is like at least they're trying like yep. at least they're trying to move forward create content keep the game exciting all year long for as long as possible but um got to be more than 100k the Surely, intention's great the intention right. is fantastic surely there's going to be like a sponsor that could sponsor the whole Preseason yeah. tournament that would be willing to pay more than 100k because yeah. the advertising they'd get would be massive because everyone's frothing at the bit to play yeah. uh, to watch footy again. Um, it's wild when you think like, like that's 100k. You know what you get for winning the minor premiership? Oh, don't tell me. I know. It's, I think it's 200k. It's like so pointless. It's unbelievable. A few years ago, it might have changed. It was only 100. It used to be 100, <laughs> and then they came out the other year and they're like, "We've doubled." It. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um, okay, yeah. the rules. 80-minute games. No extra time or golden point. A draw will be declared if scores are equal. Squad sizes. As many as 28 players for week one matches and 26 players for week two matches. Unlimited interchange. World Club Challenge will have 17-man squads with on with an 18th player for concussion protocol and 10 interchanges. One referee, bunker in use. Um, the latter. Competition points. 12 for a win, 6 for a draw, none for a loss. Wow. 12. Jeez. Oh, that's a lot to take in. Bloody hell. Don't they know that most of us footy fans don't do math? Um, bonus points. Bonus points available for each of the following. Scoring five or more tries, making five or more line breaks, making ten or more offloads. Okay, this might be getting a bit too specific. Um, making ten or more offloads. <laughs> like This is where I'm like, I love the intention, but do you really think they're sitting there going, boys, if we get five offloads, we get a, uh, ten offloads, we get a... Bonus point. Um, teams can earn a maximum 15 points for a win, nine for a draw and three for a loss. The winner. The overall winner will be determined by the most competition points. Four and against, uh, then, if they're equal. 
the greater percentage of points scored in in for and against than if still equal. Um, yeah. So, like, I think those bonus points things. I think you just keep it to tries, don't you? Like, I, I don't know. Like, adding in line breaks, like the offloads and everything is wild. The offload and line breaks is a bit weird because like there's I, there's not going to be any coach or any player that's going if we get five line breaks, boys, we get a bonus point. Like the so. The good thing is, though, we can't knock the NRL too much because, like, it's their mm. first crack at it. They'll clean it up from year to year. They'll get a little bit better. They'll get a lot of information and data from this and know what works and what doesn't work. Um, so, overall, I think it's great. 12 points for a win. That's more than the Broncos have had in the last five seasons. Oh, yeah, <laughs> They'll yeah, be all yeah. over that. Oh, here we <laughs> They'll go. They'll be sending out full strength both <laughs> games. You should be thanking the Broncos. They, <laughs> they let you scrape in. <laughs> Into the finals, footy. Absolute disgrace, Timmy. Absolute disgrace, mate. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great idea, guys. Like all the like jokes aside about the hundred k and the, the rules and that, it is a great initiative by the NRL. And I think they deserve a, a bit of a wrap from it. I'd rather them be having a crack at this than doing nothing. Yep, agreed. So, agreed. Yep. So NRL deserve a crack. I really, I, I think I'm in the minority, but I think I like it more than most people. Not so much the offloads. I don't know about that, but. Like, I'm more interested in the trials now than I've ever been. Just because, like, I don't really care if my team wins. It's just, I think it just adds something cool. So I, I actually really, really like the concept. Well, it just wraps it up in a content kind of servable meal. Like, it, it, it names it. Mm. It, it, it gives it so that people can consume it and understand what's going on. Whereas before, it's just like preseason trials. Like, when you're looking at it from a content perspective, before, we got a bunch of content that we are not using. Mm. Like, which is insane. And so, I think, yeah. NRL deserve massive wraps, massive wraps. Um, now, Martin Tapao, signs of the Broncos, one-year deal, effective immediately. Thoughts, boys? Um, 50-50. I know that Marty, uh, he's a talented football. We haven't seen it for the last few years. Uh, I still, I don't know, there's just a lot of red flags around <laughs> Marty. Has been for a couple of years. I, I still think back to that video that he posted last year that we spoke about, like... <laughs> I don't know. For a team like the Broncos that's trying to sort out culture and everything, I don't know if this is a guy. If they can get the very best out of him and everything's hunky-dory, fantastic. It could It'll genuinely be, be the signing of the year. Yeah, it could be like if, if they, they get, get the, the best, best out of him. <clears throat> but respectfully to Brisbane, I think they've shown that when there is other dramas going on, they're not great at handling it. Mm. So that's what has me worried about this one. If you just take the footballer and his abilities and get the best out of him, it could be fantastic. Mm. But I, th I worry that this could create more problems than it solves. To me, yeah, agree with Guru. They um, hopefully goes out there and you know he's able to you know put his part of his experience onto some of the younger players and just be a godsend for him. And and that may well happen uh, on field. He he could really be that sort of I suppose Andrew Fafita to what he's been at the Sharks the last two years, the veteran big bustling offloading forward who comes on for 20, 25 minutes mm. a game and. <clears throat> that's all he needs to do and just have a really good impact off the bench. Um, so football-wise, I don't mind it. And I just, as I said, there, like he's, he's not short of uh, a bit of off-field controversy and it's just the last thing the Broncos need. So, yeah, And that might be a bit harsh on Marty. There's every chance he has a great influence up there. So uh, let's hope that, that that is what happens. Yeah, it's an interesting signing. It's The timing of it's interesting too because obviously Payne is dealing with what he's dealing with at mm -hmm. the moment. I wonder if it's almost like a... An, a obviously, he's not going to replace Payne, but... Let's say Payne is struggling still or got his own personal issues going on. Um, maybe he's there to soften the blow. I think from a talent perspective, it's a great buy. But it's just, it's a 50-50 one because if he's, you know, 
let's say again, you know, he's not getting the ball or whatever, and the game plan is going to his liking. You know, is he going to be upset about that? Is he going to post about it? Which is his right. He can post about whatever he wants. But in a team environment, especially the Broncos, like it's the last thing they need. Like that's the one thing when it comes to like saying things publicly that they've been struggling with for the last half a year or whatever. So in the best world, it's a great signing. Mm. It's a great signing. In the worst world, you know, it creates more issues and more fractures, more dramas at the club. Not to say that he is a guy looking to do that, but if if he were to repeat what happened last year, that happens at Manly, it's a big deal. That happens at the Broncos. They eat that up up there because they're the one team town. Yeah. Huge, like the media in Broncos is probably, you could argue it's the most scrutinized media out of everyone because they're a one team town. So they just create so many stories. Um, so I hope it goes really well. At its best, if he goes up there and rips and tears, I think he'll love it. I think it'll be a great addition to the club. Um, let's just hope that the Broncos can create an environment to get the best out of him. Well, with the best outcome, him playing good footy, it makes your front row rotation crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Crazy. Incredible. Like you've got Flegler, Paddy. Like he'd be your it. fourth best front rower. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, you can lock in the offload bonus points in the preseason. So. <laughs> oh, mate. We're going to win the comp. The preseason <laughs> comp, we're winning it. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's also it's quite interesting that, you know, it did seem that Marty was looking for quite a, a substantial-ish deal. Um, you know, the Eels seem interested Apparently Manly wouldn't um, release him and, and that maybe is why he felt a bit disgruntled later in the year. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, it's interesting that he only got a one-year deal at the, uh, at the Broncos. Uh, does it affect guys like Flegler who are they are already struggling to keep under the cap? Now, for everyone listening, I think that this would be a, almost a minimum deal. Do, do we all agree, all agree? I hope so, yeah. yeah. I don't about. think it'd be a big deal. What do you reckon, Matt? Do you reckon it'd be a, a minimum deal? Yeah, 100%, especially as you, as you say with someone like Flegler who can negotiate well now really yeah because he's this is last year of his contract and they'll be wanting to lock him up and there was an article floating around I don't know how true it was you never know but like that they need to clear space for him so yeah you'd assume that their eggs would be in the Flegler basket mostly especially when you consider he's been out in the wilderness for the last few months because the salary cap hasn't been set mm. it still hasn't been set yeah now he's been signed so you would hope from the Broncos end uh, that yeah they've gone unders here because I mean at the end of the day my my row with this is as well me and Maddie went through the Manly Seagulls our best seventeen they've got no front rowers mm. they've got no front rowers whatsoever and they were still willing to let Marty leave. Mm. Also another like knock on effect is like does this mean Keenan's not going to get much of a palacea? Quite possible. Is he like basically mm -hmm. not going to get a crack this year because he decided to sign with Titans? Which I actually don't. If he was replaced by a younger forward that was a Broncos for the next two or three years, I could understand that. But I actually would if he's getting replaced by Marty, and let's say he's playing better footy than Marty and he gets replaced by Marty because he's not going to be the next year, I actually don't like that because it's like Marty's at the end of his career, so it's not like you're building for the future. We need to win games now. We need the best 17, regardless of whether they're signing somewhere else next year. Um, so I hope it goes really well. I really do. And at his best... Oh, it was only, wasn't that long? I think it was like two, three years ago. Was it three years ago? Him and Adam Fenor Blake were absolutely yeah, fucking killing. dominating teams. So it's not that long. And I don't think Manly fans would probably be able to tell me better, but I don't think he's been that injured over the last few years, has he? As in like dr drastic injuries? Nothing big. Just he always has small injuries, Marty, whether it's a hand or a hammy or a, just <laughs> something niggling with him. So like he's 32 years old. 
So if they can, you know, they only need, as I said, 25 minutes yeah. a game out of him. If they can get him fully fit, you know, a change of scenery, he could have such an impact for them. Oh, ma- uh, massive. He's massive. played He's played 20 games every year except for the COVID year, which was shortened. So. Yeah, so like he's durable. When you look at his stats, especially pre last two years ago, they're bloody good stats. Like it's almost like when he blew onto the scene and, you know, he was the big forward that had that crazy fend and all that kind of stuff. And people just expect that every week. But if you actually go and look at some of his stats, you know, two, three years ago, that were top, top tier, top tier. Mm. Um, and he's averaged anywhere from sort of 40 to 50 minutes the past four or five years. Obviously, mm. last year was down to 39, was his shortest probably in his career since early on. Like That's him being a big bloke out there trying to preserve his tank a little bit. If he, you just say to him, mate, give us 20, 25 of your best, he'd yep. be so destructive. Oh, like, I, like it's going to sound hyperbolic and I know it's... But like if he hits his potential mm. for the... Now, he's not going to be signing of the year because like there are big signings that are marquee, like Vinayam, Kiko, blah, blah, blah. But if you went bang for buck signing of mm. the year and he's on a minimum, he, he could genuinely challenge for yeah. bang for buck signing of the year. Now, I'm not saying he definitely will. I'm just saying that that's the kind of player he is. He's not just like a, a fringy that you get to the club and it may or may not go okay. Um, do you think, is there concern for the Broncos in regards to keeping a guy like Flegler? Yeah, well, I mean, that's been the rumour going around for a long time and uh, he's obviously you know, state of origin player and whatnot. So I... You can't keep all guys at the end of the day. So, I, uh, and if I'm going to have to squeeze out a front rower there, I think it probably would be Flegler, considering your other guys. Well, I, I like Paddy at 13. I'll, I'll tell Sorry, you. Sorry, yeah, including him as a middle forward. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the first, I, I really like Flegler, and, and I got a lot of time for him because the, my first experience with him was actually really good. So, I went to uh, the hotel to see the Bronx boys. This is when, like, you know, they were struggling and Lexi was still playing, Alex Glenn. Um, and I was sitting in the the hotel like lobby waiting for Lexi to come down and get us. And he was taking a while because I think he was he didn't have his phone on or whatever. Anyway, like Flegler like literally walked down, walked all the way over to me, shook me hand. He said, mate, come up to the, the changing room. Uh, come up to the team room. And I I was like, oh, Lexi must have sent him. And so I went up there, sat down in the thing. Anyway, later on I found out like Lexi didn't even send him. He literally just saw mm-hmm. me in the, in the um, lobby, came over, shook my hand and said, come up to the team room. And like, as I said, I'm a nobody ex-Bronco. Like I played fuck all games compared to the legends, but the respect he's showing an ex-player, that really stayed, like really stayed with me. Sat there, chatted with me, waited till Lex came down. So I think, you know, when we talk about, I know he's super aggressive and your suspensions, all that kind of stuff. But when we talk about players we want to keep for the culture, that's the kind of bloke I want at the club. And those are the stories you're hearing less and less of out mm. of the Broncos, realistically. Mm-hmm. It's very rare I'm hearing a story like that. And I mean, if he is that sort of a guy, maybe that sort of stuff does need to be more valued. Oh, I, th- I think it's uh, like, we know he's a gun. Like we know he's a gun. We, we need super aggression in our forward pack. Like when you look, Payne Haas is not a super aggressive player. He's a Ben teams constantly player. You've got Paddy Carrigan, absolute workhorse. We need the mongrel. Like, when you look at our yesteryear, like, when we had a best... And I hate to be the, yeah, back in my day or whatever, but it's just the truth. Like, Tony Carroll was a mongrel. Yep. Gordon Tallis was a mongrel. And so I think that a guy like Flegler, he's an integral part of any premiership winning forward pack where, okay, they might get suspended here or there, but that's what you need in a team. So I, I really hope we keep Flegler. Like, I really, really hope we do because I've got a lot of respect yeah, for him. And, and just because he's that guy at the moment that you're waiting for him to get 
uh, um, suspended most weeks. We saw how, how I look at him. Doesn't mean he's going to be that guy forever. And like he got, James Fisher-Harris, that was who he was at the start of yeah, his career. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I, remember, I, I remember the first time I watched Fisher-Harris play, came out like a lunatic. And I remember after the game, listening to MG on the radio, go, I love him, he's me. Yeah. He's not going to play half the games, but I love him. And Fish has just turned that around completely. You only, you only have to look at the Roosters. Like JWH has always been that guy. But Robert's kept him there for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you need it in your forward pack. You need it in your forward pack. Like I think even you look at the Melbourne Storm. 2006, guess the one player that they, it's the, basically the last big signing they ever made. I think Xavier Coach is the closest thing to it. But outside of that, the Melbourne Storm haven't gone out for a big international Australian player or whatever. Guess it is who they signed and then they went and won the premiership the next year. Yeah, the nutcase, Mick Crocker. Mick Crocker, <laughs> the craziest man in rugby league. Well, yeah. one of the craziest. The guy that took me head off in a prelim, oh, in a semi-final. Uh, yeah, like, so I think that, we forget how important, okay, yeah, maybe they may get suspended. Yeah, they might miss two or three games. But premierships are won by guys like that. They really are. In the big moments, like Sammy Burgess, super hyper-aggressive. Uh, and so, yeah, Thomas Flegler, I'm not saying that he'll have the same career as those guys. I'm just saying that he's already played Origin. He's shown us that he's a great forward. He can do both things, crazy offloads, as well as truck nut all day long. And he can hit in defence. So I hope the Broncos do everything to keep him. And just on Mick Crocker, obviously had a bit of shit in his game, whatever. They signed him 06. They lose that grand final. Comes back a year later. We all remember that tackle he put on Brett Stewart. Mm. He's got that in him. Yeah. And that was a statement in that game. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, as a Manly fan, you hate the guy. You fucking hate his guts. 100%. But you should hate him. But it's like, this thing's happening in rugby league. Not to say it's okay. Yep. Like, it's not, it's not okay. But like, fuck. But he's out there for you to hate him. Yeah. He's that guy. He's that guy. Uh... So, yeah, hopefully they can hit Flegler and hopefully Marty can, can kill it for the Broncos because it's definitely needed. All right, guys, big news as well. For the month of February in Queensland, Liquor Legend stores will have our bloke midi, so bloke mid-strength, which is going great in Queensland. People love it there. They're running their spend and get offer. So basically what it is, you simply go down to your local Liquor Legends outlet, you spend 30 bucks and pick up a six pack of bloke midi for $10. So you can go into your Liquor Legends anywhere in Queensland. We're a part of their uh, spend get offer. You spend $30 on anything, literally anything, you get a six pack of bloke midi for 10 bucks. That is all of February guys in Liquor Legends across all of Queensland. Now, the way it works basically is if this does really well, we can do more promotions with Liquor Legends. It helps bloke, it helps us massively. So if you want to try bloke and a bar beer in February, head into Liquor Legends, you spend 30 bucks and you get a six pack for $10. $10, guys. It supports us, supports the podcast and helps the beer grow. And the more the beer grows, the more stuff we can do for you guys. But big news, well, I think it's big news. John Bateman is still in England due to visa delays. No real time frame on when he can return to Oz and essentially it was already backed up and everything like that. And then they took time off over the holidays, the, the government, and he is still yet to arrive in Australia. Is this a bit of a concern for the Tigers that they he's such a big signing and they may start the year where he's a bit underdone? I think so, yeah. And I mean, uh, I, I thought in, in the World Cup he played pretty well, but and I haven't watched him in the Super League, but from all reports, hasn't been at his absolute best over there. Yep. So coming into a new system, um, I've heard rumours that he's going to be the lock forward as well. So I, if he's going to be late, 
I don't, I don't know about that. He's not a lock, though. I don't think he's he is not a either. ball player. He's a, give him some space to move. And I, look, maybe if Tim Sheen's game plan is about not having a ball playing lock, then okay, give it a crack. But I don't know. I like him on the but edge. But I mean, they're relying on, you know, their, their two halves that they've got there. I thought the, the best footy those two halves played was when they had a structured 13 there mm. in Hastings. Bateman might be the most unstructured 13 of all time. And I don't want him taking 40, I don't want him making 40 tackles. Do you really want your best attacking, arguably your best attacking forward? And that's genuinely, you know, like, like Papali, he's up there with Papali'i. He won Dallium as well. Do you really want him making 40 tackles in the middle? I'm sure he does. I'm sure he'd fucking love yeah, he'd it. he fucking love it. Yeah. And um, I think also the other thing on that is we, we focus on attack, attack, attack. Defensively, he's so good on the edge. Mm. And what he'll do for, what have we got? We've got, say he does play edge, we've got, what are we going to be? IPAP, right? He, he's going to be on the right. If you, He'll they, be on they, the right. They reckon IPAP's on the left. He's been training there all preseason. Mm. So he's outside. So he's outside. So he's got Brooks. Brooksy on his edge, and then you'll have Dwayne and I would assume Bateman. But if he plays thirteen, mm. then it'll be Blore. Oh, so they have put Brooks and Papali'i together. Yes, I like it because I like that. yeah, and Brooksy can hit that. Like he'll run. IPAP will run a hard line off Brooks. Yeah. Whereas we've sort of spoken about it. Dewey's not sort of the kind of player to, you know. Straighten the defensive, straighten the attack, create those gaps, play short to, to Bateman because Bateman doesn't run lines really. You just give him early ball. Exactly. Dewey just needs to go early ball. Yeah. Like and and that's, uh, that'll suit Dewey more. It'll suit Bateman more. So mm. I, I think the switch is fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I, look, maybe it'll work at 13. Tim Sheens has been literally known for changing the way the game is played. Um, but I hope it's not 13. Is it a concern? I think it is. Preseason's like. Premierships are won in pre-seasons. They really, really are. I'm not saying they can't have a good year without him there, but every week that he's not in Australia is another week that he's not getting an extremely tough pre-season into his legs. Um, and also all the other stuff that we know when it comes to like getting used to a new team, blah, blah, blah. Um, hopefully that gets sorted out. Storm CEO Matt Tripp said Bellamy was more no than yes to continue coaching when they spoke as Christmas, and that has got until March. I'll be honest, I feel like Bellamy has been nearly retiring yeah. for the last 10 <laughs> years. Yeah. Nearly retiring for the last 10 years. He's the best. He's the, he's the best. Setup. Look, if you've got the, one of the goats nearly retiring, that contract gets a little bit bigger. A little bit bigger. Do you think that this could be Bellyache's last year? I don't think so, personally. I think that, uh, especially now that they've got that spine sword and they've got a team that contend for the next few years, <laughs> I don't see Bellamy just... Bellamy's not leaving until he wins a premiership, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think winning a premiership without one of the big three is important for him. Surely. It has to be. It's important for months. I mean, it's important for the club. But I think Bellamy in particular, I've spoken about it before, people get upset, but when you're talking about the greatest coaches of all time, you're taking the top 0.1%, you've got to split them somehow. I think that that's how people could potentially look back on the legacy of Craig Bellamy. Yeah. They could go, like, oh, he just got lucky because he had all these, like, I mean, even though he fucking developed more. He but developed more, but people will yeah, ignore people that. People will say yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Timmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, I feel like a big part of why they, they've they kept the, the new big four, big three, is because they've, particularly Munster, because mm. Belliac's probably said to him, mate, I'll be here till at least two more years or whatever. So Munster's re-signed off the back of that, that being a big part of it. I just feel like Belliac's one of the guys where, I know I don't see him abruptly even after a grand final win saying I'm done. I feel like he'll just be like two years time. I feel like he'd be that bloke with a, a life structure and a plan, and mm. everything he does is so um, mechanical. Like everything goes to a point. 
he was like, two years' time, end of 2026, I'm done, I'm gone, that'll be me, don't ask me any more questions. Mm. Um, yep. So if he's sitting there saying 50-50 or whatever, I, I don't see him retiring anytime soon. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, not not in the next year or two, I don't think. I, I, I reckon personally he'd want to win a comp without Kim Smith, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk. Um, because, like, if he does that, it's almost like he handled two complete generations to premierships mm. and he's already doing an incredible job like storm has set their bar so high that even when they finish fifth or whatever we're going oh not, not a good year for the storm it's like fuck, that's how good they are yeah. that's how good they are and you know even even the year where they got bounced out of the finals the year after um cam smith retired they went on a run where they broke every record under the sun so like he still can like there is evidence to suggest a premiership can absolutely be won with the playing group. Does anyone really think that that Storm side can't win a comp? Like, no chance. Like, they definitely can win a comp. Um, so I don't see him retiring. And he's, I think he'll get a. I think his goal would be to get a premiership before he retires. One more, just one more. Um, now, it's been revealed that Tony Staggs played through injury for half of last season after tearing his labrum in Origin Two. Essentially, that's your shoulder. You need a reconstruction usually after a, a labrum tear. Uh, in Origin 1. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Makes a lot of sense. Because you go Origin 1, he was quite, he was a bit quiet. You know, he went off and, you know, people were like, it's an Origin. Like, how do you not stay out there? But then you find out, well, he actually, you know, ripped his bloody shoulder off. Um, these are the things that you don't really hear about. And these are the things where I think as I got older, I, well, not as I got older, when I quit, footy and I look back I think I look at it and I go I should have been more selfish at times and said nah because I'm going to get judged on my performance mm. no one's going to care how mm. fucked my knee is my shoulder is my ribs are whatever it is and like one of those things where Tony like he's trying to play for the team he's trying to keep stay up but I think it's one of those things he probably should have been selfish and gone you know what like <clears throat> like I need to take care of my body and, and get myself ready because also now his preseason is um shortened massively because he doesn't get to spend a whole preseason with the players whereas if he had immediately gone scans apparently he didn't even know he did it in origin one but if he had immediately gone and got scans when it was hurting then he would have had months extra of of rehab uh thoughts on this guru yeah it's it's a tough balance what you're saying though i imagine for players that you just want to show up every week especially sure. when you're in the midst of it and everything like obviously your mindset as a 21 22 year old would have been very different mm. when you retired uh mate, i i just want to see katoni have the season he should mm. like I, I think it's been about four years in a row i've sat here in the process and gone okay he's gonna be the best center in the comp this mm. year because he's got that sort of upside about him he's got so much ability and he seemed like it's last year funny especially the start of the year it seemed like he had rounded out his game really well well he came out in the first two weeks and maddie yeah, maybe yeah, you can have a look good. i think he made about nine errors in the first two yeah. weeks then they played roosters and penrith and he fucking gave it to them mm. and i sort mm. of thought okay it's gonna turn around here <coughs> he took on the two best teams in the comp killed it and then just went back into a lull yeah. for the next few weeks. So I just, I just want to see him play consistent footy. I, I want to see him come in. Maybe he was injured last year, whatever it might be. But I want to see him come in and get more ball. Mm. And I know it might be, you know, game plan, whatever. But you got a guy like him. Like, there's not many guys with a running game like him in the NRL. Like you could argue he's the most powerful war runner in the NRL. Like I, I'm surprised their heart, like especially off scrums, I'm surprised their halves don't don't just turn him under more often and just let him go. Well, that'd be the worst nightmare for a defensive line. Well, it's gotten to the point now where it's like, 
there is no reason why he's not touching the ball or having at least 15 to 20 runs. Like, surely, surely even Kevy can see the benefit of getting him the ball more and not even getting him the ball more, coming and do a thousand scoots. Like, uh, what, do you, what do you reckon about this news, Timmy? Yeah, it doesn't shock at all. He, so, came out of – we expect the young players coming out of their first origin camps. I think he may have been in them before, but having actually played a game, mm. I know he had the injury, but – you're sort of going, expect them to go to the next level, and particularly confidence-wise, where they just get to games and go, oh, we're the man to make the difference here. And, mm. and we were sort of hoping Staggs might come in and get more ball and have more involvement, and it didn't really happen. And then for this news to come out, you go, all right, well, maybe that's why. In saying that, he'd never been a, a centre who'd come in and have 15, 20 runs a game anyway, but I thought maybe the origin camp might have been the thing that would have motivated him to do that. So it does explain it. And I'm with you this year. I want to be sitting here in 12 months' time saying Tony Stage is the best centre in the NRL. Mm. And look, it's a hot field. There's Joey Manu, Stephen Crichton, so Val Holmes. But at his best, I don't see why Tony Stage can't be better than all of them. Oh, it's a big call, but he's got it in him. Mm. But the difference is those other guys do it every single week. Katoni mm. has his big game once every three or four weeks. Mm. Uh, and it starts with involvement, Guru, mm. like you touched on. And it's, it can be as simple as... Just bring plays to bring him underneath. They, the Broncos do it with Corey Oates all mm. the time so effectively. Yeah. Now, Oates does it with like a, a real hard line run, but you just scatter the defensive touch, bring stars underneath and say, mate, do what you want. Good yeah. luck trying to tackle him. Oh, I, I agree, mate. I agree. And th- this is a year for Stags. I don't mm. – there can't be any more, oh, he's going to get there, he's going to get there. This is a year where he lives up to what we all know he can be. He, he genuinely – there's very few players that you could say could be the number one in their position. Like, there's a whole bunch that we could look and go, look, they just don't have the talent to be a top, top tier center or whatever. Staggs is absolutely, not only is top tier like center, but he is he so much talent, he could be a top tier outside back, period, across the NRL. Like, is in in the top five. Unfortunately, due to injury, you know, like another thing that doesn't get mentioned and, you know, might be, um, that does get mentioned enough is like he's been at the club essentially during its worst period like there haven't been many players that have played to their potential over the last few years outside of like you know Paddy Haas Herbie is consistent um, and so you have, that, that is not an excuse but that is a, you could put that as a reason as to why he hasn't had a consistent year but now I think it's gotten to the point where even if that is the case where the environment isn't going to get the best out of all players, you have to take it on yourself to be like, no, no, I'm going to be the best player I can be regardless of what's happening around me. I think especially like in the modern game, like if we were to list, you know, the best edges in rugby league, they're all left edges. I think if you're mm. a right centre nowadays, part of your game has to be that I'm going to, I have to go looking for the ball. Because, mm. you, you know, m- m- most guys, their pass, you know, their better natural pass is right to left. That's why you've got so many of these left edges that are so strong. Fuck, if I'm a right centre nowadays, I'm going, I have to take the initiative upon myself mm. to enforce myself onto games, to yeah. make sure I'm getting to dummy half as much as I possibly can. <coughs> I, I just, I feel like with, when I watch Stags, whether he's being told to or whether it's him, I don't know, but he is just happy to just sit out on that edge. Like, there mm. was a couple of times during the year where he got into dummy half and like I had him in my um, super coach team, so I watched him super closely where he would get into dummy half and another bloke would come over and go, no, I'll take this one. And Tony would just go, yeah, yeah, mm. good as gold. Whereas, like, like no one's – imagine saying to Joey Manu, I'll yeah. take this one. Yeah. Not a hope. He, he pushes hookers out of the way. Yeah, yeah. 
And if Katoni could just have that in his game, that real hunger to go after it, he could be the best centre in the game. Yeah, best for sure. right centre anyway. It, it's got to come down to really Kevy Walters. Kevy has to be the one saying, mate, I need you having 15 to 20 runs a game. I need more involvement from you. Mm. And if he starts the year in the first four or five rounds, he's having six, seven runs a game, which there are games he'd be having less. Mm. I'm like, well, I'm looking at Kevy Walters and saying, mate, why aren't you getting more out of him? Mm. All right, maybe Kevy Walters is telling him we need more involvement. Why isn't he doing it? Yeah. It's got to come back to Kevy. He's got Adam Reynolds on that edge, the you know the go-to guy in that side who's pulling the strings. Why can't Adam Reynolds get him more ball? And it's just it's going to piss me off if in round four or five, to, by round four or five, we're having the same conversation about them not utilising Stags well enough. Well, it's almost like if that's the case, what's the point of him being at the club? Like, set him free, mm. let him go to another club where he will get the ball more, you free up a bunch of your cap, yeah. you've already got a, a squeeze on your outside backs. And this come from a guy, again, I, I want Stags at the club, he's incredible potential. But this year is the year. This year I mean, is the year. And like for, you know, Stags has got incredible potential. What you've got out of him in the last two years, from a business point of view, Delaware's Hoyter that came in did a fantastic job. Mm. These other sort of outside backs, like I know you can get more out of Katoni Stags, but if they're not getting it, mm. you can save four or five hundred k there with someone else. Yeah, and so yeah, look, it's it, it really does. You're right. It comes back to Kevy. Like mm. we all know what he can do. If Kevy puts the pressure on him, says I need fifteen runs, and we're going to make sure you get the ball or whatever, and he still doesn't, then Kevy needs to go. Well, like mate, if you're not going to respond to me, then. Yeah, I can't have you in the side. And when I look at your side, and you know, you, you know more about it than me, but I look at them and go, "That's not a problem with Herbie. Mm. Herbie gets more ball than fucking anyone. No. He comes after. Sometimes if anything, he, Herbie yeah, gets too, too much, much ball. ball yeah. yeah, like I would be as far to say if Herbie and and Katoni are both at hooker, Katoni should have right of way of 100%. who gets the ball. Yep, he's an Origin player. He's way more. He's got more experience. And this is a huge fan of Herbie, and I love the work he gets through. But Katoni's on the big coin. Like, he's there to change the match. And he has done it many a time. Like, we're not sitting here saying that, like, he hasn't had games where he's absolutely torn the game apart and we've all gone, holy shit. Um, he hasn't had enough of them. No, he hasn't had enough of them, for sure, unfortunately. But hopefully this year is the year. I mean, he's had a, by all looks of it, with the photos and that, he's had a crazy preseason, like, tough preseason. Um, hopefully he's going to be right for round one. Uh but yeah, I hope we're sitting here in 12 months and we go, Stags wins a Dallium centre of the year. Because there's even been games throughout the year where he's played for like Tonga and he's jumped in at 5'8". Like, fuck, he's been effective. Mm. Just j- just by getting him more involved and like playing out of position and whatnot. But he's he's got so much uh, ability that is just untapped at the moment. Like no one should ever dominate him in a tackle because he's so strong. Nope. Like that's how fucking strong this boy is. It's, it's not like the problem is the halfback inside him. Yeah. He's got the seven to utilise him. Yeah, so interesting times. I'll back him in. I hope, I hope he has a big year. I think it might be a little bit of a slow start due to the, mm. the chopped up preseason because of his shoulder. Mm. But I think that I think the Broncos would be speaking to him saying, mate, we just need we need a bit more. We need a bit more. And look, if if it's not the best environment for him, then he should absolutely find somewhere that's going to be the best environment for him because it's too much. It'd be a, a sad day where we don't see Tony Staggs reach his potential because we've seen it happen. Now just need to see it happen week in, week out. Um, but when you talk about highlight reels, fuck. Every time there. I see, is it you and Aitken that he yeah. palms? Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of the craziest palms it's ever. Unbelievable. And you and Aitken is like he's a he's, back rower now. You and Aitken is known for his strength in contact. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Katoni did that. 
That one, and I go back to the the Sharks Broncos game last year. I think it might have been the game after Talakai obliterated Paul Morgan yeah. Harper and Manly. And the amount of times the Sharks did everything right mm-hmm. to get a Talakai one on one with Stags on his line, essentially unstoppable. Mm. And Stags would just meet him and just go whack up high and force yep. him back. Uh, that's like, that's as good as it gets for me defensively. Yep. Tell me another centre that have that much strength outside mm. of maybe Joey Mano. Yeah. Maybe Joey Mano. That's how good Katoni Stags is. So fingers crossed we get that out of him because, mate, he really is a highlight reel. But he's really. another example. Like it's obvious that Joey Mano at some point has gone to Rob and said, I want more footy. Yeah. I need more football. Yeah. Well, you even hear it in the discussions. Like yep. they're even saying, like, we need to get him more involved and rah rah. Uh, anyway, so hopefully he's all good. Uh, now, people seem to enjoy last week's segment in regards mm. to debating Penrith and uh, the Roosters back to back. So we thought we'd bring that little segment back. This week it is the 2010 Dragons Premiership winning side versus the 2016 Sharks Premiership winning side. I thought this was a good match because there's been enough time now. They've all established their careers. But it's also like two teams that they weren't powerhouses at the time. Like obviously the Dragons were to a degree with Wayne there. But it's not like when you look at the dominance over the last 10 years or so, it's you know Storm, Roosters... And pretty much Penrith, like that's that's really. Whereas these are two sides where I think it's actually going to be quite a an even exchange of who we'd have until certain. Anyway, so the Cronulla Sharks side, 2016, Ben Barber at fullback, Fecky on the wing, Bird in the centres, Latelli centres, Valentine Holmes on the wing, Jimmy Maloney at six, Townsend seven, Fafita eight, Michael Ennis nine, Matty Pryor prop. Then we've got Luke Lewis, Wade Graham in the back row, Paul Gallen at lock. Uh, then you've got Bill on the bench, he- uh, Heinington, Tungatizi, uh, Bakuya, Coach Shane Flanagan. Then for the Dragons, we have Darius Boyd at fullback, Brett Morris, Mark Gaznia, Matt Cooper, Nightingale, Sowie, Sowood, Ben Hornby, Neville Costigan at eight, Dean Young at nine, Michael Wayman at 10, Bo Scott at 11, Ben Cray at 12, Jeremy Smith at 13, Fien, Merrin, Pryor, and Safi make up the bench with Bennett. As the coach, boys, I'll go to you first, Timmy. Oh. If these two play each other, who wins the grand final? Ah, it's a tough, tough time each week since we brought these in. I know it's only been two weeks, but it's been tough. <laughs> been rolling um, around in bed thinking about it every night. Mate, uh, I, I lean towards the Dragons of 2010. Uh, and so they're two quite similar sides, so I think... A lot of their the dominance came off the back of their defence, like most premiership winning teams are. But I think you would argue their their attacks both solid enough without being too flamboyant, without being you know mesmerising like some of the other grand final winning teams we've seen in the past. We look at the Dragons and they conceded 299 points in 2010. The next best defence to that was the <laughs> dear lord the Warriors, 486 Warriors, the second best. But yeah, so there's a 187-point difference between the Dragons and second, the second-best defensive wow. team in the comp. The Sharkies were good. They conceded 404 points. That same year, the Storm were 302. Um, and they were the third-best defensive team in the competition. Um, so similar enough in the way they played their footy and what they, they had the back of their success off. And 
you go through some of the names in that Dragons outfit, it is just an absolute rock-solid defensive outfit, isn't it? Some of the best defensive... You start at, I mean, the centres, Gazzy and Cooper, you could argue the two best defensive centres the NRL's seen, you know, pretty close to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Darius, one of the best organising fullbacks in the game. Neville Costigan, the enforcer. Mickey Wayman, the big boy out front. Ben Craig, Bo Scott, two of the best defenders in the game. Jeremy Smith, like... You look at all those plays and you don't go, oh, remember that try score or the point to that you go, all just like ruthless dog defenders. Um, now, it could go for days and we probably will, to be fair, but I think the Dragons win off the back of their defence in this game. I think that Dragons team, I think they are the most consistent team we've ever seen. Even more than Penrith? Oh, I, I reckon in that one season in 2010, you could write a script for every single game you knew what was going to happen they were just going to get in the grind every t- they would earn a penalty Sowie had kicked three penalty goals mm. before they kick a goal if they finished a set in their own half Sowie would kick it dead they'd get ready on their 20 meter line and it was rinse and repeat you went through that whole side and like you've got guys like brett morris gaznia cooper who you know unbelievably consistent guys but and, and it's, pr- it's probably unfair of Brett Morris. But when you think Brett Morris, you don't think about the huge highlights. You mm. just think about how consistent he like was. He has them for sure. Like mm. he, yeah, has he has them. Yeah, but you, but you think- don't, if, if you think Brett Morris and GI, you think yeah. of very different things yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Um, you get to the halves. Like Hornby, I'm not even sure if he was a halfback. He was mm. just a good footballer. Mm. He was a good footballer. He was a fullback initially, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was. Got moved yeah, into yeah, seven. Yeah. And he was just a utility that could play anywhere, you know, played halfback. Jamie Soward. <laughs> I still think he's one of the most underrated guys to play. His kicking game was unbelievable. Mm. He, he, I, I think he's got the, the, the best, the most well-rounded kicking game. Mm. Short kicks, long kicks, and they essentially won this premiership off Sowitz's boot. <coughs> would, would you say, Guru, that am I in a little bit up? So that the rule that was introduced in 2014 for the dead ball line where the seven tackle set. Yep, the Jamie Soward rule. Yeah, the Jamie Soward rule. That's yeah. what I was going to say. So that was obviously 2010, so a few years after, but it was off the back of what you just said. Yeah, so it was off the back of they'd play Slater, yeah. they'd play Hayne, they go, we can't deal with you. Yeah, Wayne, back. When, even when Wayne's Wayne. the Broncos, he would just go, when we, if we had Slater, just kick it dead. Yeah. It, it was yeah. awful, but it was so <laughs> effective. Mm. And it's easy to say it, it's nothing to do it. And Soud had that enormous boot, mm. and that's how they did it. Like, not a, he could, you know, clear the fullback's head by 20 metres from his own 30 metre line. It was yeah. unbelievable. So, you know, we, we talk about game changing players. Now, James Soud's not going to go down as an NRL grade as such, but his boot essentially changed a law in NRL, which has changed the game forever. Yeah, it, it's, it's true. Like, he, he definitely doesn't get the raps he deserves, especially for the role he played in that side. Um, the other one doesn't get the raps in this team is Darius Boyd when he was at the Dragons. Mm. He was incredible. That was his like, best footy. That was um, he was a three on two. He didn't get it wrong for two years. Mm. <laughs> it was unbelievable. He just executed it perfectly every single time. Darius Boyd obviously got the Clive Churchill in that game. Um, I, I, I honestly don't think there's too many teams that would be able to beat this Dragons side in 2010 in that rule on set, that day on the rule set on those had, rule yeah. sets. With uh, Wayne Bennett as coach. Yeah, it'd be tough. Um, look, I, I reckon Dragons get the job done, but, I mean, this Sharky side, especially the forward pack like Luke Lewis, Wade Graham, Paul Gallen, Fafita, fuck. Kurt Catewell couldn't get a start. Like, I know he's younger, but still. Still. Um, yeah, I think, I think the Dragons just get the job done. Now, I think it's a very different conversation, though, if you have that seven-tackle set mm. rule in. 
because it would change the game plan yeah. of the Dragons quite substantially. What do you got there, Manny? No, I'm just going to say I'm going against Oya. I'm going Sharkies 2016. Just off the back of their four-pack, I think Fafita was the best prop in the world at the time and was literally untouchable. Matt Pryor had his like best yeah, incredible year. year. And then on the edges, he got Lewis and Graham and then he got Gao. I think the backs, St. George, pretty much obliterate them. But then you look at the spines, there's going to be, when we go position by position, there's going to be two very, very contentious calls over probably fullback in 5'8". But you look at the Sharkies, Barber was absolutely killing it. You got Maloney. But I think the big one is McKennis at hooker. It was possibly his best year in his last year in his career. I think he set up about 20, 25 tries. It's tough, but just off the back of those forwards, I'm, I'm going Sharks. Mm. I think it's also interesting when you have a look at that Sharks side, like... When I look at that dragon side, the most consistent. They played a little bit of a boring brand. If there's one guy I think could be there, um, Kryptonite, it's probably the 5'8 for Cronulla, James Maloney, just the way that he played. And even for Fida, the way he Fida. would bust yeah. teams apart with his crazy ball running. Yeah. Did, did you ever play with uh, Neville Costigan? He was at the club when I was at the club, so I played like Rezies with him. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's a maniac. Um, yeah, so look... It's, it, this is a tough one to say because that rule, that one rule could change everything. Lot. It would be a super close grand final though. But let's go into the, the top 17 then. Top 17. Fullback. Ben Barber or Darius Boyd? I am going to go Darius Boyd, but on his day, his best day, I would choose Ben Barber. But because of the consistency of his career mm. and the likelihood of Darius playing really well, I'm going to go Darius. So, so, so Ed, to, to clarify some rules early, <laughs> uh, are, we take, are we basing them on this season alone, surely? So Darius is 2010 v Ben Barber's 2016. Is that how we're doing um, it? Well, no, because then there might be some unfair, you know, like, did Cooper have the biggest year? Matt Cooper, but we're going to select him, and yet Jack Bird was, like, fucking amazing that year. So I just think the general gist is, is like, their careers, essentially. Can I, can I get Ben Barber in... Was it 09? Did he went, no, no, well, no, you can't, you can't pick another year specifically. Well, that's, that's, the, where, that's where you're working out, isn't it? That, that's, that's what I said. Specifically, Ben Barr at his, at his peak, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to pick him yeah, every yeah. other week. Yeah. But Darius Boyd, consistency, like the high level he played at, especially at, at the Dragons, I'll probably go Darius. What, what, what do you guys got? What do you got, Tim? I'm Darius. Yeah. Every day. I'd go Darius as well, obviously. As you said, Barber's got that high, those highs, but I'd go for Darius. I think Barber's 2016 season is very underrated, but I'm still going Darius because A, you won the Clive, I'm pretty sure, yeah. and B, like Todd, that was the Carney Army year, 2010, but everyone forgets Darius was two points behind him on the Dallium count. He nearly won the Dallium that year as well. So, yeah, um, just because that 2010 season, yeah, for all your reasons stated, I'm going Darius. All right, now on to the sting. Fecky, we'll do all wingers because like then you can swap them in. So you've got Fecky and Holmes and you've got Morris and Nightingale. I will be going Brett Morris and Holmes. And Gypsy, I love Gypsy. Fuck, he Very was good. Very unlucky to miss out. Yeah. He was so wiry and like he'd break so many tackles. He's not even big. So good, but... I'm going Brett Morris, Valentine Holmes. Yeah, I think I'd pick BMOS in any team I could possibly pick, so he definitely gets in, and then I think you've got to take Val Holmes over the other ones. Yeah, bet BMOS by a mile, and then Val just ahead of Nightingale. I'm the same, but if you're comparing the pair of wingers, the Dragons win. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm going yeah, Morris. Yeah, that's a good point. That's I'm a good going point. Morrison. That's uh, a really good point. When you compare them together, yeah. Okay, so we've got Boyd, 
And then we've got BMOS and uh, Holmes. Yeah. Okay, now the centres. Again, what you can just do both. You've got Bird Latelli. You've got Cooper Gaznia. Cooper Gaznia. Yeah. Cooper Gaznia. Yeah. Yeah. Cooper Gaznia. Yeah. So, so far, we've only got one Sharks player. Now we go to the halves. This Ooh, one's oh, fucking oh. so tough. So, you've got Jamie Soward and Jimmy Maloney. Oh, look. Oh, fuck. Because like that season, in the impact and the way he played, he changed the game. I think I love Sal as a player, but I'm going to have to go Jimmy Maloney just because he, the amount of premierships that he brought to clubs. Even though like if you looked at their stats in that as a game, like of them specifically, you'd probably find Sal would outdo him most weeks. But it's just like he won three premierships at three different clubs and then got the Warriors to a grand final Maloney. Jimmy Maloney just pips Sowie for me, unfortunately. Yeah, Jimmy is a winner. That's just what he does. So I love Sowie too. And as I said, I think he's got one of the best kicking games ever. But Jimmy, just his mindset and everything to do with his game, I'd go with Maloney. Jimmy Maloney. Jimmy. See, I got Maloney in my on the bench of my team of the decade, but I'm still going Sowie for this. Well. Purely because purely because I think that Soward was the most important piece to the 2010 Premiership puzzle. And while Maloney was extremely, extremely important and achieved so much in his career, if we're comparing grand final teams, I'm just, I'm just going to see how he was so important to that team. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Now the half, this is even fucking harder. Ben Hornby, Chatty Townsend. Oh, fuck, I don't know. I'm going to go you guys first. <laughs> I'd go Hornby, slightly. Yeah, I'm Ben Hornby. Ben Hornby? Yeah. It's tough, and I don't, I'm kind of just throwing a name here, but yeah, I'll probably go Hornby as well. Really? Interesting. Townsend has gone to another club, the, the Cowboys, mm. and made him a premiership threat. You know what? I changed my mind. I'm going, I'm going Townsend. Really? I, yeah. I, I forgot about that he also had that time at the, he like, it was just kind of cool how it all happened with, with Townsend. He came back, came back from to the, the Sharks, came back from the Warriors, and was really important in turning them around. And now you're right, what he's done with the Cows, it's yeah, like, going Townsend. I guess you've got to ask yourselves, could Ben Hornby go to another club and have the impact that Townsend had? Now, it's very unfair because, like, different clubs, different teams, rah, rah. Oh. Far out. Oh, man, Ben Hornby was the beating heart of that dragon. Yeah, so he was. Like, and he, he but was. the only problem is, is like he's a fullback most until those first two For years sure, that Wayne got but there. like, the argument is there that Wayne, like, he could have gone out and signed any halfback he wanted to come play for him in a team that was going to win a comp. He stuck with Ben Hornby. Yeah, he went. I know there were in a lot of games. Played three games for the Blues. Had a test for Australia. Chad Townsend's never even in those conversations. How dare you? He's in the conversation for me. <laughs> the great Chad Townsend. Chadwick. I'll go Ben Hornby. I'll go Ben Hornby. But I just, yeah, fuck. That's a <laughs> that tough. That one hurt you, didn't it? That hurt, man. Because it's a tough one. You just like... I don't think Townsend gets enough credit, man. I really don't. Um, okay, now, on to the big boppers. Andrew Fafita or Neville Costigan? you got to go Fafita. I, I honestly think there's an argument that, you know, as you know, a season for a front rower, that might have been the most destructive we've ever seen of a front rower. It might have been the best grand final performance by a front rower we've ever seen, like one of. I think it, I, it would be mine, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, Andrew Fafita. It, like in that grand final, it was he should have been a Clive Churchill medal winner, but in strife off the field, so didn't get it. But he was just so it was unbelievable that season for a few few years there, wasn't he? So uh, sorry to Big Nev, and don't hurt me, mate. But Andrew Fafita. We're comparing this Sharks 16 team to any team. I feel like Fafita is going to make my front row. So unbelievable that year. It was probably the best forward in the game at the time. You, you could, if you were like looking at the grand final and just the season that he had, and you were looking at any other grand final team, Fafita would, could nearly make it against any team ever. That's how good he was in that. So I'm going for Fafita as well. But what we'll do is we'll do front, front row pairing. So number 10, Michael Wayman. And then you've got uh, the other prop is Matty Pryor. Shout out to Matt Pryor. He played in both of these grand finals. Yes, he did. He did. Off the bench. Uh, here you go, Michael Wayman, Michael Wayman, Matty Pryor. Uh, I think I would go with Matt Pryor then. I think his season, as Matty said before, his season at Cronulla was unbelievable. Wayman, he was uh, a real toiler, wasn't he? I'm going Wayman. You're going Wayman? Yeah, I thought he was fucking so important for them. Neville was like was never even really a front rower. He was more of a back rower, like a, a lock. That's this team though. They were just a yeah. They were just a good seventeen together. Oh, okay. I'd go with Matty Pryor though. Mm. Yeah, my allegiance lies with uh, the horse Mickey Wayman. Yeah, the big fella. Uh, Maria Shark product the horse. <laughs> he's uh his old boy Ak Ak Wayman is uh that's what the the Maria Oval is named after the old boy. So mate, I'm Mick Wayman. Uh, you said Benny Hornby's the heart of that side. Well. <laughs> The horse was the soul. <laughs> so I'm Mick Wayman. I was pretty certain Timmy would go Mickey Wayman for that reason. But also <laughs> but also because I think there may be still a bit of feelings lingering about how Matt Pryor destroyed the Raiders in that 2016 finals game Ooh. down there. And he that was definitely his best game of the year. And he just he just came out. Was I think he Gal was Gal injured or something like that, or he went off? It was the game Townsend got hooked. Yeah. It was that game. I don't think I don't think Gal played, to be honest. Yeah, he was um, injured or something. Something like that, and yeah. Wayne, and, and Pryor just stepped Pryor up and stepped up him. and just destroyed. And yeah, Pryor got their player of the year, equal player of the year that year as well. Mm. See, I'm going Matty Pryor. Yeah, Matty Pryor. Wow, split, split. First split. Um, okay. Dean Young, uh, McInnes. Dean Young in another position, like probably. Number nine though, I'm going McInnes. Yeah, it has to be Ennis. Yep, Ennis. Yep, McInnes. Uh, now... The back row. Yeah, some Dragons fans blowing up on that one that we brushed it as well quickly. Because he's a like, club. The, club legend, yeah, Dean yeah. Young, yeah. That's all right, though. That's all right. You can have your opinion in the comments. Just keep it respectable. Now, the back row. Ooh, this is going to be tough. Luke Lewis, Wade Graham versus Bo Scott, Oof. Ben Cray. Good one. I know what I'm going. Oh. I'm going Luke Lewis and Benny Cray. I think Luke Lewis is a automatic for me. Yeah, Luke Lewis the is a guarantee. The other one that's tough. Mate, I, I, fuck Bo Scott was a good footballer. I, I loved everything about Bo Scott. I, <sighs> Wade Graham, though, so much upside in him. I, I, I'd probably lean towards Bo Scott, to be honest with you. I was a huge Oh, Bo, Bo Scott? Scott okay, yeah. okay. I'm Luke Lewis and Bo Scott. Not a lot in it at all, but going through the Dragons team and – you look at, um, we often refer to blokes that you just want at your club and playing around, and one that's come to mind recently has been sort of John Bateman and what he does for the rest of that club, and the bloke that it'd kill you to let him down on the field. Going through the Dragons roster, from Jeremy Smith to Bo Scott to Mick Wayman and Neville Koskin, Dean Young, Ben Hornby, like, it'd kill you to let down oh, yeah. any. Like, there must have been so much just pride and passion at this club at the time. Mm. Um, Bo Scott was... 
you know, aside from he whacked blokes, but he wasn't like a highlights real back rower. But holy shit, he was tough. Mm. Like during that, uh, what would it have been that or around 2010, I suppose, era when the Blues were flush with back rowers. Mm. You know, um, who was there? Glenn, Glenn Stewart. Luke Lewis would have been there. Luke Lewis would have oh, been there. Oh, was he there yet? Yeah. He's still on the wing, maybe. Anyway. Birdie, Chock Watmo, yep. all these blokes. And Bo Scott kept a lot of them out for a long time. But he mm. was so good. So, yeah, I'm Bo Scott and uh, Lukey Lewis. And then when they worked out they couldn't stop GI, they also turned to Bo Scott. Yeah. Mm. I think as well, I think Jamie Sowell would, would be happy that Bo Scott was in his pocket. He's great point, great mm. point, yeah. So no Benny Craylock. Oh, I mean, they're, they're four. I mean, we haven't even spoken about Wade Graham yet. Yeah, and by the way, yeah. my two are Luke Lewis and Wade Graham for sure. I really? think You'd that, that left, yeah, I love Wade Graham, but that left side, he's that ball playing edge that he was with Barber swooping around and Bird outside. It was just such a dangerous uh, side. And there is, I say Ben Cray because when we're doing video, especially the Broncos, like he was, we just watched fucking clips of him steamrolling blokes, mm. like steamrolling blokes. Benny Cray's best was outstanding. Um, and I, I think a lot of people do forget the peak of Ben Cray. It Those was two years or so. Outrageous. It was outrageous. So he was like absolutely decimating sides. Um, so um, to be honest, you, Luke Lewis is the only lock lock in out of the four in my. Well, opinion. there's three other options, and we've all picked one of them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, and they're all such different back yeah. rowers. You look at Luke Lewis, line runner, Wade Graham, playmaker, both got enforcer, Ben Cray. Big work, big work rate, you know, run, good, run a good line. Oh, so yep. whichever five eight you pick, Maloney or Sowett, I'm putting Bo Scott next to yep. either of them, though. Fair, fair. Okay. Uh, now, 13, Jeremy Smith, Paul Gallen. I think we all go Gal. It's Gal, yeah, but fuck Jeremy Smith. Is a good <laughs> oh, I'd pick him good. on my bench for sure. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we all go on Gal. Yeah, G train. Yep. The G train. Now we're going to the bench. You got Nathan Fien or Jared Beal? I'd probably go with Fiend, personally. Um, obviously, did he play for New Zealand and for Queensland? I, mean, I think he did. I think he was one of those rare cases. But <laughs> He did uh, definitely play for, yeah, because he became a citizen, I think, of New mm. Zealand when he moved to play with the Warriors. Yeah, yeah he did. He played yeah, played for both. Yeah, he's sort of one of the unsung heroes in this Dragon side. He, he used to come on and give them really good spark. Um, I, I would go with Nathan Fiend. Nathan Fiend. Nathan Fiend by a mile. Yeah, definitely Nathan Fiend for this one. And go on the Fiend dog. Love, love Billy. Great bloke. Great bloke. But I'd go the Fiend dog. Now, Trent Merrin or Chris Hynington? <sighs> oh, should we just like th these next three players just like mix it up? Because like, oh, I mean, Trent Merrin is a wide running forward to a degree back then as well. Oh, this is so tough, this one. Holy shit. What are these boys going I'd probably lean towards Trent Merrin at his best. Yeah, at his best, I'm Trent Merrin as well. It's a really difficult one, but that also speaks volumes of that, that dragon, both the packs, both the packs, but particularly the Dragons one, because Trent Merrin at his best was oh. probably the best lock forward in the NRL. Like, his footwork at the line, he mm. had an unbelievable offload. And unfortunately, I think he, for whatever reason, he's the back end of his career it petered off quite quickly and I, I don't know if people sort of think of that but he was so good at his best and if we're talking longevity chris hyington was so good for yeah. many years but yeah trent merrin for me and two really key guys i would imagine in locker the locker room. Room. yeah for yeah. sure mm. oh this is fucking yeah, similar tough. personalities and everything yeah. Yeah. The cracker blokes, yeah. yeah 
Yeah, Merrin at his best. Like, I, you know, Heineken definitely had a better career, for sure. But I think Merrin at his best. Like, he, Merrin played his best footy long enough to be counted as, like, you know, he could play really good footy for long periods of time. Yeah. i got Merrin, but nothing else to add. Just agreeing with what all you said. Trent Merrin also brought Sally Fitz to the club, which... That has to be a notch on his belt. Um, that was mad. Some tung- Sam Tungatizi or Matt Pryor? I don't know if I can pick Matt Pryor twice in this side. Or <laughs> um, I'm going Matty Pryor. Yeah, I think I'd go Matt Pryor as well. Pryor. Right? Uh, yeah, I'd go Matt Pryor, but again. There was a period there Tungatizi was a fucking weapon in defence. He used to come on absolutely fold blokes. He came through, I think he came through the Melbourne Storm system, actually, uh, when I was coming through as well. So we were coming through around the same age. And he was scary in Q Cup. Like, if you're playing the Norse Devils, again, I hope I'm remembering correctly, fuck, he would just fold blokes for Regardless, fun. Because he was a scary bloke. Oh, yeah. man. Um, Jared Safi or Bakuya? Just confirming, yeah, he, he, what he was at Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, I would lean towards Bakuya here. See, this is where we probably could have said, oh, I'll chuck Chris Heineken yep. on the bench yeah. out of the three. Yeah, um, yeah I'd lean towards Bakuya, but it's a much for muchness, like, you know. Uh, well, I, th- I think your bench is probably a pretty clear. Fiend, correct me if I'm wrong, Fiend, Merrin, Heinton, and Pryor. Yeah, I think that, yeah. that's, that's a bench. They're the standout four, I think, of those eight. Wow. That was a, that was a mixed bag. Had some, had some, you know, different answers, uh, different Don't positions. you answer, because you'll probably know. How old do you reckon Neville Costigan is? I know. How, I'm pretty sure I know how old he is. I think you do, yeah. How old do you reckon he is? Oh, I would have said, like, he retired a while ago, so I would have said, like, I don't know, 37? Yeah, he's, oh, I, 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 I thought he'd be much older than what yeah. he is. He's only 37, yeah. yeah. It yeah. felt like when he was at the Dragons, he was already one of the most experienced guys around. Because like Neville Costigan, when he came through, especially for Queensland, like he was he was a big deal, yeah. big deal. Faded a little bit towards the end of his career, but he was like the next Carl Webb, yeah. you know, and the great Carl Webb. Hope he's doing okay, the big fella. Imagine, imagine lugging a ball up and having to choose between Neville Costigan, Bo Scott, or Jeremy Smith to get hit by, <laughs> if not all three. Mate, fuck that shit. Um, so there you have it, guys. Let us know in the comments section who do you think wins, Dragons or Sharks? 2010 Dragons, 2016 Sharkies. Uh, and then let us know your team as well. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Guys, 50 for 50 sale, February 1st, 6 p.m. Brand new bloke shirts dropping. This Wednesday will be the first reveal of the brand new shirts, Wednesday, 6 p.m. But the sale is February 1st, which is next Wednesday at 6 p.m. 50% off everything for 50 hours. Got anything to say, boys? Beers and Breaks Even? Beers and Break Evens. We're back uh, Wednesday and Thursday this week and uh, on the hunt for sponsorship. So we'll put it there, um, our email in the uh, in the description. Yeah, reach out. Awesome. Can reach be, out, guys. Uh, thanks to your generosity, mate. SC Playbook in the studio this year. Mate, SC Playbook in the studio. Like studio. So we're going onto YouTube. We're uh, a bit of clipping it up. So a few head reveals for a few contributors. And yeah, we'll, we'll be on your. On your YouTube. Mate, how good. Moving up in the world. This (laughs) this state-of-the-art studio. Uh, But as usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you.